What's better than a Red Bull from Racetrack to get you going? How about two Red Bulls? Oh, and to make it even better, let's throw in another can for free. You heard that right. When you buy two 12-ounce Red Bulls, you can get another for free. Free Red Bull gets you going. Wow, that sounds pretty nice. We should put that on a bumper sticker or something. Racetrack, whatever gets you going. Select sizes. See store for details. Been here? No, you have not. Where have you been? All right, we're waiting for Bill WD-40 to join us in the speaker room right above my finger. That way we can get lubed up for tonight's show. Obi Flett, nice to see you. And Eric Markham, good to have you here. Rui from Portugal, thanks for coming on in. Pat Tui, welcome. Nikki in Seattle, thanks for joining us. Random guy, what's happening? Trace B, how you doing? And Rugged Source, Blue Cruise. Beachy, how are you? And the Michael Leger has returned. And uh, we, yeah, TMI, there we go. Uh, Nancy, thank you so much for that wonderful super chat. Very much appreciate your love and support of SOR. Thank you so much. Horns up, everybody. Let's rock right now. From the mountains of central British Columbia to you listening around the world, this, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show and our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash based out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot, reading the newswire. Check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. Power show of Paranormal Tonight. Big Bad Merle is here. For Ghosts of the Great White North, we are uh, joined by Jacob Rice tonight, paranormal investigator out of Washington State. Then in hour number three, we're going to head to the swamp, followed by a little Timmy Senor and random guy for the UFO report. Now it's that time of the month again where we put down our UFO gig, put on our paranormal hats, and get right into the ghosts that are among us. One of the top paranormal researchers in Canada, our man Merle, is here from the Paranormal Road Trippers, based out of Vancouver, British Columbia. He joins me once a month to talk about the ghosts that are among us around North America and the world. Joining us tonight is a good friend of this show, Jacob Rice. He's a paranormal investigator out of Washington State. He is a tech guy. He is a very skeptical person who's even had a run-in with a black-eyed kid. I'm going to try and get him to retell that story tonight, because that story just absolutely blows my mind let's bring him on in big bad merle what's happening my friend good to have you back on spaced out radio 
It's great to be back, Dave. Looking forward to this. Me too, my man. Me too. What have you been up to, Merle? Not much. Getting ready for a, a ton of investigations coming up over the months. Um, Jake there, he's uh, not a paranormal investigator anymore. He's upgraded to documentarian. Documentarian. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, well, I apologize, Mr. Documentarian. <laughs> Jake, it's been a while since we had you on the show, and it's always a pleasure to have you here with your knowledge and your and your very brilliant mind when it comes to everything from the technical side to the actual investigation of spirits and ghosts. How have you been? How's your 2023 started? You know, it has been fine and dandy. I'm very excited to say, you know, doing some more documentaries. We did a couple of them back to back. <laughs> and ended one we just did one at the end of january uh at a haunted lighthouse we could talk about that a little bit more but you know just grinding away day by day excellent well tonight we're going to get into uf uh not ufos but uh yeah that's later on yeah i'm, I'm ufo'd out <laughs> right now i really am but, but we, it has been busy it really has, and it's been a little bit uh, crazy on what's going on. But, I mean, you know, we are going to get into a lot of paranormal, talking about a lot of paranormal documentaries and television shows and what goes on behind the scenes with everything that goes along with it. But, Merle, you guys, uh, you and Jake hooked up on a really cool project that I really enjoyed. There's a 45-minute video approximately on YouTube right now on your YouTube channel talking about a very haunted location in the British Columbia mountains that was kicked off by the gold rush. And let's learn more a little bit about this and the Alexandria lodge. Yeah, actually it predates the gold rush. I think it around 1858 was when it kind of started up around there. Um, this lodge, the area first, it was an area for the Hudson Bay trappers to go to and from. And it was one of the epicenters of the, there's something called the Fraser Canyon War between the Americans and the indigenous. And all that energy going on up around this area. And then fast forward to the late 1800s gold rush. And they have thousands upon thousands of men going to and from past your house up to Barkerville and, and back down. And this lodge has seen a lot. And we, it was very, we were honored to be able to go investigate it and, and share its heritage. And we're really happy with how our video turned out. We're actually pushing 100,000 views. Excellent. Excellent. That's pretty exciting. And, you know, why do a documentary series on a, on a little remote building like that? To uh, shed light on our valuable dissolving history in British Columbia. To um, tell the story of these places before they're gone. If we can help tell the story to preserve these places, that's a home run for us. Mm -hmm. And sprinkle some ghosty stories on it, and, and it's a good day. And Jake, you know, you being an American coming up to Canada to film all of these locations, I want I want to ask you because when we think of paranormal due to paranormal television, you know, I really don't think that Canada really gets the 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 hauntings that it deserves to be put on television. You know, we always want to hear about the Waverly Hills, the Alcatraz, the, the Gettysburg and every Bobby McKee's in between or Bobby mm -hmm. Mackey's in between. Pardon me. You know, I mean, we rarely get to hear stories of this unknown trail 
of the gold rush that really is probably more haunted than Gettysburg, more violent than Gettysburg. Hundreds of thousands of people died along this trail, all in the search of gold, whether they found it, whether they took life into their own hands, whether they were murdered, whether they were, you know, died of illness. I mean, this is just an incredible run. And a lot of people don't even realize it started in California, Nevada, and made its way through Oregon and Washington right into British Columbia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that is the thing that intrigued me most because let's just say my history classes failed me with that stuff. It was pretty much California had a gold rush. Alaska had one a little bit later. Uh, and British Columbia never existed. I had no idea there was thousands of gold miners coming from California ready to essentially, you know, commit genocide against the indigenous folks, the first nation folks up there, just so they could get to the gold. No clue whatsoever. Um, but when it comes to the name recognition part of it, you talk about Gettysburg and Waverly. I mean, that's what it is because the TV shows, right? They want something people know about. They don't have to work too hard at promoting. In Canada, you're going to have to promote it, especially if it's to a U.S. audience because we're just oblivious to it overall. But let me tell you, that was some quality haunt action happening at the Alexandra Lodge. (laughs) Quality haunt action. Well, for people who don't know what the Lodge is, Mike, why don't you explain that? So right now the lodge is under construction. They're they're renovating it to be a bed and breakfast, kind of like the roadhouse it used to be. Um, it's said that there's up to five spirits in there, and we 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 had communication, I think, with a handful of them. And um, it's along the Fraser Canyon or the the Caribou the, Highway. The, yeah, Caribou what road is that, Dave? Coming up to your house, <laughs> Caribou Highway. The, the highway, Caribou Highway. Yeah. So if you're in British Columbia in Vancouver, it's about two and a half hours from there. And it's the gateway to, to the north, essentially. It even had the uh, the king of Siam stop mm-hmm. over there. Oh, as let, the me, record. let me oh, tell you, ahead. the YouTubers corrected me. <laughs> it's King Rama the seventh. If you're curious, I put Moncut in the video. Because that would have been the gold rush time, but it turned out the King of Siam actually visited in 1931 while doing his grand tour. He kicked off in Vancouver and worked his way to Washington, D.C. And he st- that was like within the first week of him arriving, he stopped at Alexandra Lodge and had dinner there. So I've correct- I-, I corrected it in the comments, people. I have driven <laughs> by that lodge hundreds of times. And it's just, a you know... If you didn't know it was there, you would miss it, even though it's right along the highway. And you see this old building, you think that, oh, somebody's named Alexandria, built a building a few years ago and put their name on it. Maybe it was a little hotel or whatever, a flower or a curiosity shop or whatever it may be. But this has sensational history to it, much like the entire gold rush. You know, what kind of spirits are said to be hanging out there, Merle? Um, the original owner, the original creator of, of the lodge is said to be there. Um, the name's escaping you right now. William uh, something. I can't remember William. his last name. Yeah. Um, his wife is said to be there. There is also a unnamed um, kind of more crankier spirit um, who kind of 
watches and makes the staff or the owner feel a little uneasy or dizzy in a couple of the rooms. Um, Lily Clegg. Little Lily Clegg, yeah. yeah. And it said that um, there's a spirit there that pushed uh, the owner off a ladder when he was doing the roof. Oh, nice. Very nice. Yes. We always love it when ghosts attack around here. <laughs> Especially if it's captured on film. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you got that right. You got that right. The idea that, uh, you know, it's not just this trail or anything, you know, but you filmed a documentary on one building on one place. What has the response been from the public regarding this? Jake, that's a you question. (laughs) Well, you can, I mean, you are more familiar with the hope standard, which is the local paper that covered it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, let's start. You want to start with the local thing, and then we'll go scroll out to the global comments yeah, that sure. we've had. The whole the Hope Standard did, did a piece on, on the lodge and, and our investigation, which got um got a lot of traction, a lot a lot of positive comments on there, and some correcting us for the location specifics. <laughs> um, we also got some interest from a uh, place in Williams Lake and a couple other cities wanting us to do the same sort of video for them. So. Us doing the Alexander Lodge video kind of catapulted us to interest from uh, about six other places that we have to pencil in to do for them. Well, you know what's interesting is tourism dollars are becoming a very hard, hard find, especially after coming out of COVID, where mm-hmm. everybody mm-hmm. is is scrounging for any way possible to find money and tourism money is a big one, especially, you know, during the holiday seasons of summer and, and, and people traveling through whether they're coming up uh, to head to Alaska or whether they are touring uh, the West coast of Canada. And Mm -hmm. the one thing that I know about this area here is they've already tapped out on the hunting crowd. They've already tapped out on the camping crowd and the hiking crowd and, and the you know the bed and breakfast crowd and and the fishing crowd and you know you can only push those for so long before people are been there done that because realistically don't tell anybody but this area is boring it is they don't say that no it is it's very boring because here's the thing if you go you know when you go camping Okay, usually, and I don't know how other people are, but you have your wilderness camping, and then you have your camping where, you know what, maybe one day, even though you're camping, you go to the water slides, or you go, you know, Hmm. go-karting, or you go uh, motorbiking on the trails or on your side-by-sides, and then one day, you know, you gather the family, and you head out to the shopping mall and go shopping. Well, that really isn't the caribou where we live or where I broadcast this show. So they are hurting for people to come back here after they've done it two, three times, maybe four times. And one of the ways that's being talked about is by more promotion of paranormal in these towns. Cause it's like a freebie. It's a freebie on what's going on. And Merle, I know yeah. you've talked to people who are like, why haven't we been doing this for years, knowing how successful paranormal tourism is in the United States? 
I think that we're just a little late to the party with paranormal. Like we've talked about before how I think Canada is a little more conservative with their paranormal approach versus the U.S. has been a little more progressive and open with it. And I think that we're finally catching up to it. And as for the caribou, um, it is not boring. <laughs> um, I've taken it upon my, or Jake and I have taken it upon ourselves with Sandra to find these locations. People just drive by and go, oh, that's cool. Maybe we'll go there again one day. Alexander Lodge example. But then there's about six other locations that, that we're going to be visiting that I've never heard of that have history that would just blow your mind of how interesting the things that, that has happened there um, or the types of hauntings that they have and people like wanting to talk to us and, and share their story because they trust the kind of the ship we're guiding with watching the Alexander Lodge. And getting back to the comments and how, how people receive that is um, well, YouTube. They they don't lie. <laughs> no, <laughs> they, they don't sugarcoat. And if they don't like they if they don't like a tone of your music, you will know what note oh. it is. <laughs> well, let me define because you you contradicted me there. Let me define boring. Okay, people choose people choose to live up here like I did to get away from the rush to calm life down. Okay, like yes. I, I don't find my town boring per se because I can find something to do. Okay, but what I'm saying is if you're somebody who lives in Vancouver or Seattle or you're coming up from California or Idaho or wherever it may be, all right, and you come camping for a week, you're camping for a week. You're not yep. doing a lot of stuff because there isn't a lot of stuff to do. I mean, you drive down the main street of, of my town, in 100 mile house everything outside of the tim hortons is shut down after 8 p.m. there's one bar that they just opened up that's open till midnight okay like there isn't a lot to do there's no kids activities there's barely even a park mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so that's what i'm talking about for tourism aspect it's a totally. bo- it's a boring boring place like no offense i love barkerville but at 50 years old, I can understand why I like Barkerville. If I'm a 12-year-old kid, I'm like, okay, what am I going to do here? Mm-hmm. Run around and, and, <laughs> and throw horse crap at, at my brother or sister, right? That's what I'm going to do, right? But that's what I'm saying about this area is it's not it's not a friendly area compared to, you know, you drive down the I-5 and there's always something to do down the I-5. You can always find something within a 100-mile radius. That's what I'm talking about. Totally. I guess, yeah, when you're alone up there, you're alone. It's yeah. Quiet. yeah. And I'm, I'm sure the fires didn't help. That's probably scared white people, too. Well, let's just hope that those don't come back. We're getting, we're getting a little bit more snow here, so I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. But you're right, though, Merle. Where you are right is in a situation such as the paranormal. Mm-hmm. This is this is a ghost hunter's dream, this, this gold rush line from the border straight up to Alaska. Yeah. And, and, and just finding all these, like, I kind of got a re... a refresh, refresh, renewing feeling the past couple of months, finding all these other new places that that nobody's gone to or has even heard i haven't even heard of these places and like it's it's exciting man especially with with doing the history on the alexander lodge finding out that there's an actual fraser canyon war 
was that was the epicenter of a, of a war back in the day. And then before that, all the Hudson Bay fur traders going up and down to get all the way back to the east, they, they, they went, they hiked through there. And it's, amazing. it's just the history. It's awesome. How do you feel about looking into that so much hidden history, Jake? Because I know that's something that, of your interest as well. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can uncover the secrets of the past and how it impacts us today, um, I think that's amazing to go on that journey and discover it. And, and this is a part of the world I didn't know much about. So to me, I'm always getting fresh new information, which I love. And it gets me thinking about, you know, how can we incorporate, the, incorporate this into one of our documentaries? How long before this area gets invaded with ghost hunters? <laughs> <laughs> you guys are going to ruin it for me. You know that. Yeah. Blame Merle. Uh, well, <laughs> blame me. I know that there's a bunch of teams uh, dotting, putting dots on the map for summertime, so be prepared, Dave. Be prepared oh. for the traffic. Oh, my. Just as long as they show respect, that's all I care about. You know? Yeah. I mean, but the distance and the isolation, you know, the serious ghost hunters are, are more likely to come than the paratourists, I would say. Well, the, um, the parat- simply because of the isolation. The paratourists are the worst. You know, when we get back <laughs> from the break here in about three minutes, let's actually get into paranormal tourists like that. Okay. What that is about, because I don't think a lot of people, we will get into some ghost stories because in the end we, we do have to. But, I mean, getting into the whole idea, you guys are running on a different aspect right now than most ghost hunters. You're taking a location, you're going hard on that location, and then you're filming it rather than just playing ghost hunter and saying, hey, will you sign this piece of paper here so no other ghost teams can get in here? You're not playing games like that. You are just basically playing the role of, hey, we want to tell this story. What's the difference between what you guys are doing, Jake, and what other... Priceline presents Go to Your Happy Price. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. You can see yourself already there. It's beautiful. It might be sunny and sandy for some, neon and urban for others, deserts or rainforests or hiking trails. With Priceline... You can get to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else. Like up to 60% off select hotels to Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to Priceline.com and travel to your happy place for a happy price. All right, see ya. I'm off to Miami. No, actually, wow, look at that. No, I'm going to Hawaii now. Ooh, Cancun looks nice. You know what? Belize looks pretty nice this time of year. Or, mmm, Palm Springs. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's better than one slice of pizza from Racetrack to get you going? How about two slices of pizza? And when you buy one slice, you can get any other for $1. Ayo, you could buy one slice of pepperoni for now and get the new bacon cheeseburger pizza for later for just a buck. Or just get two slices for now. Buy one, get one for $1 slices. Get you going. Oh, I like that. We should put that on a t-shirt or something. Racetrack, whatever gets you going. Limited time item only at participating locations. Paranormal teams are up to? Well, you know what? I think it comes down to 
the seriousness and the respect that we apply to the locations. For one thing, when we film them, it's like the location is part of the team. Uh, and these documentaries that you're making, and there's a few of them, they're kind of like love letters to those locations and what's happened in the past. So we, we're very respectful of, I mean, you're talking about very dark subject matter. We're talking about deaths and war and all that stuff. But it's not salacious. It's not like we're taking yellow germ- journalism and and really hyperbolizing the investigations in a way going over the top. It is very much centered on what happened in the past. What can we learn? Who can we speak to, to identify, uh, and then present that, you know, with, (laughs) without going over the top, over the top with the presentation, I'll say, (laughs) which is a bit different from a lot of the other YouTube videos you see out there. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so the idea behind that means what? You know, how do we how do we improve it? How do we keep it going? How do we, uh, you know, establish you know what needs to be part of a, a ghost hunt or or part of a documentary? Yeah, I mean, the, the big thing about the documentary is presenting reality as it is. So instead of making a Gonzo show about it, put it in its actual light. Treat, treat the subject matter with respect. Treat the people who are there experiencing it with respect. Don't just try to hook them and pull out all the crazy stuff that's happened to them. It's like, what is your life like with these ghosts and spirits here? Uh, and that's what we've been complimented on by the YouTube viewers is, oh, essentially they're saying, oh my God, you're not one of these gonzo ghost hunters like Ghost Adventures, or if you've seen the YouTube ghost hunting videos out there with the really hyperbolic reactions. It's not like that at all. <laughs> I had to say, you know, some, the people that have thumbs us down and said, this is too boring. You know, there's not enough ghosts shoving you, <laughs> for example, uh, because you know, this, this is people's lives we're talking about now. So be respectful of, of the people that are going through this. And on that note, we're going to take our first break at the bottom of the hour. Merle is here for ghosts of the great white North. Yes, Merlin Tynes Day has passed, and we move on with Jacob Rice, our special guest, getting into paranormal tours of paradocumentaries and their favorite ghost stories when we return on Spaced Out Radio. Shane finally arrived. Classic Shane. Oob to Joe's Bane, you've got ghosts. Eh, who else is showing up here? Uh, look at Doug Shelby. He's Merlin hard right now. Cosmic Floor, nice to see you. And come on, Shane, you got to improve your Merles from there. I stepped, I st- <laughs> I stepped up big time there with Merlin Tines Day. That's Mer- strong. Merlin. That was strong. Yeah. 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 I like that love letters to the location. location. Write that down. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. It's true, though. Hello, the ferret and Roger. Sensational Sherry. How are you? Dave, I've Beyonce in my head since you said autographs to the left. So, you know, that to the left, to the left. (laughs) left. Everything known in the box to the left. That's the one. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Stephanie Jackson, how are you? Uh, Penny, Dave, check your yard. I asked everyone in the paranormal field that I know to send all the spirits there. Merle, what's my paranormal house like? It's very active. It's heavy. Sometimes it's a little uneasy feeling. He doesn't need more. He's got enough. <laughs> I had uh, Travis Moots to uh, astral travel over here to my house. When I, I had to see everything. He's like, Dave, my- your house is packed. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I know. So t- tell me about Vegas. What's the latest on Vegas, man? Well, we're going to Vegas on May 19th through 21st. Merle is coming. Tip your hat, Merle, when I say that, please. Merle is coming. Very nice. And many other special guests to hang on out for our live YouTube channel, our VIP parties, and and so much more. So uh, on the Friday night, if you're a VIP member, you are going to be able to hang out with our special guests for a couple hours at a very, very nice club. Very nice whiskey bar. A whiskey bar. Ooh. Yeah, in Binion's. And then the next day, we're going to do our live show with Jessica Jones and then the After Hours crew and then myself. After that, there will be a live sky watch if you want to go out and look for some UFOs outside of the city lights with Misha Johnson, Melinda Leslie, Eric Markham, Tim Senor, and Science Bob. And then from there on Sunday morning, or pardon me, early Friday before the VIP party, if you get in, there's going to be an experiencers meetup for two hours where people can exchange their experiences of UFOs and aliens and everything to go along with it. Friday or Sunday, even though a lot of people will be going home, some are not. So we are going to be playing some poker. And many people are talking about making a drive out to Area 51. And, yeah, it's going to be a great, great time. And tickets are on sale now. If you're going to be purchasing your VIP tickets... We need to know by April 1st, April 1st, at info at spacedoutradio.com. And, uh, yeah, we're going to have a blast. Merle, you got to let people know in your group that uh, that's where you'll be that weekend. I will push that. We will. Vegas. Mm-hmm. I'll be going a day early. Uh, Vegas does not get you all you can eat shrimp, Wilford Brimley. But if you find yeah, a I'm place like that... Uh, <laughs> There's Gee Calgary. Gee Calgary. How you doing, buddy? I think right now we have about 50 people, 50 nice. of our listeners that are going, 50 to 60. And uh, we're going to be getting some harder numbers here coming up very, very soon. Road Flare. How many were there last year? Last year we had uh, about 43 fans, and the rest were special guests. About 15 nice. special guests. We had about 60, 62 people there overall. And then some guy named Random Guy showed up and ruined the whole damn thing. <laughs> but that's for another story. Yeah. Oh, that's a random guy. Damn random guy. Yeah. Hi, Mama Susan. How are you? And uh, we're going to get going in about 
10 seconds here. Thank you to Jake and Nancy for the amazing Super Chats. The Super Chat is a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. And, uh, yeah, let's get back into the paranormal here right now. Second half hour of Space Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for your support and listening ears. Reminder to all of you that if you miss portions of this show or others, you can check out our archives for free on YouTube, or you could go on our podcast format at Spotify, iHeartRadio, and every major platform that provides podcasts. Yes, including Apple iTunes and Google Play. We're there. We are there as well. Yeah, our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read the Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show. And on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on with our good friend Merle from the Paranormal Road Trippers out of Vancouver, British Columbia. Ghost of the Great White North is what we call this show. Our special guest tonight, Ghost Hunter documentarian from Washington State, Jacob Rice. Merle, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. And we'll get you to unmute your microphone and uh, get things going here. Paranormal tourism, guys. I mean, this is something that's becoming very important in a lot of areas. We talked a little bit about it right before the break. You know, where do you see this coming into play for what you guys are doing? How are you helping some of these locations with these these films that you're creating? Um. I know with Alexander Lodge, I've been approached by several teams asking if if, if I can get them in there. Um, and I, I know that the Lodge itself has had a lot of interest from the public to stop there, to hear the stories, to have tours of the Lodges. And I, I, I really think that it, it bumped their people people stopping there, the, the buzz on, on it. And I think us going to each of these locations to tell their stories is extremely beneficial and What's better than one slice of pizza from Racetrack to get you going? How about two slices of pizza? And when you buy one slice, you can get any other for $1. Ayo, you could buy one slice of pepperoni for now and get the new bacon cheeseburger pizza for later for just a buck. Or just get two slices for now. Buy one, get one for $1 slices. Get you going. Oh, I like that. We should put that on a t-shirt or something. Racetrack, whatever gets you going. Limited time item only at participating locations. on the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts to recommend the best products for your vehicle and budget. Get maximum cooling system performance for 10 years or 300,000 miles with Peak Long Life Universal Pre-Mixed Antifreeze and Coolant. Save $7 after mail-in rebate, plus get two times O-Rewards points. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Limit supply. See store for details. And I think it it'll benefit tourism, but it also saves and benefits each location, like for on a personal level. And how about for you, Jake? What do you see going on here? 
Yeah, I think especially for more of the uh, rural locations, the things farther outside of the city, this gives uh, you know a chance for people to come out, see the location, contribute to help preserve it, especially Alexandra Lodge, because that's going through a major overhaul. Um, so anything that can keep these places in business, get them restored to their original state, I, for me, it's a good thing. You see, and, and one thing I will say to our American listeners and our British listeners, okay, or Canada is not very good at keeping up with its historic locations. They are not, I mean, it depends on the building, okay? Like parliament buildings or certain buildings, they will absolutely keep. Like in the United States where you guys will keep stadiums and everything, you know, forever, because of the historic value, we don't do that here. The most historic stadium in Canada, the Montreal Forum, was turned into a shopping mall. And they actually, the put it this way, the last time a Canadian hockey team won the Stanley Cup was the Montreal Canadiens 30 years ago. And they believe that when the following year they moved from the Forum to the Molson Center, they believe a curse was put on Canadian hockey teams that they couldn't win the Stanley Cup. So much so that they've tried to exercise the ghosts from the old forum, which is now a shopping mall, into and try and move them like Ghostbusters into the Montreal uh, rink, the Molson Center. And it hasn't worked. In fact, Canadian teams have gotten worse. You know, so, but I mean, it just explains a lot of Canada doesn't do a lot with its older buildings. Sure, we have museums. Sure, there's historical societies. But for the most part, it's tear it down and put something new up. So the importance of telling these stories and maybe attracting people to the older legends is something that is going to be new for a lot of people up here, Merle. I agree, and that's uh, that's something we're tackling, and and I think it's very valuable knowledge for people. And what I like to do is kind of bridge the the age gaps because a lot of younger kids they don't care about the history, they don't care mm-hmm. about what happened in the eighteen hundreds, nineteen hundreds, but people my age and above do. But they're all into watching the YouTube ghosty shows or the the other shows on like Discovery Plus and all that. So if we can cap if we can bridge both audiences by mm-hmm. doing a little bit of history and then adding in the the investigation but mm-hmm. in a tasteful way where both parties can watch it that that that's a knock out of the park for us I think. Yeah, you need the infotainment part of it for for the younger generation so to make it exciting because you know a lot of kids aren't going to care about what happened 200 years ago, 150 years ago or something. And this I think t- Presenting it in a more entertaining way is your ability to hook them and potentially get them up there to, to you know, partake in the local right. history. How do you guys find the balance between what you are doing in promoting these haunted aspects of locations and still trying to maintain the secrecy of the locations? Because once they're on film they're going mm-hmm. to get ravaged and raided by every paranormal team from a, a two person couple to, you know, teams that are, you know, 4,000 strong. 
okay, on Facebook, that is. You know, so <laughs> how do you how do you balance that? Do you talk to the owners of these buildings and you say, look, there's going to be a rush of people now wanting to come and investigate your building? It is up to you if you want to let them do that or not. Do you give them warnings how some teams aren't as polite or as clean or as uh, – friendly or location friendly how do you do this because there is a fine balance or do you do it Um, at all i do i give them warnings well not warnings but i'll say just teams are going to approach now now that it's out there but just make sure they're respectful of of you respectful of your location and, and and don't push the boundaries and do everything like like in and out you don't need to leave a big paranormal footprint with all your flags everywhere and all Mm -hmm. that just go in and and do your investigation and be tasteful because that that's what a lot of like the the locations we've jake and i have been to is they're worried about being exposed for a team coming in saying there's 17 demons in room four (laughs) and then it it tanks their business because people will be scared of that so i i I just preach respect and yeah. don't be scared to shut teams down if, if they're kind of chest puffing at you to, to get their to get their whatever they're looking for. Yeah, but on the other side of it, the owner of the location, they have the right to set the rules of their investigation and they can set the rules about what they publish. Just because you give permission for someone to come and investigate doesn't mean you give them permission to publish. And a lot of the teams don't actually publish their stuff to begin with. But so you, as the owner, you have a lot more say about uh, who gets to investigate and what comes out of that investigation. Well, I recall when I was working with our local museum here, I recall a team coming up here from Vancouver where the lady on the team told me that I, as one of the, as the paranormal curator of the museum was not allowed on the property while they were doing the investigation. And I laughed at her and I said, uh, yeah, yeah, I am. And, mm-hmm. if, and if you don't like it, it's going to be a real waste of travel for you to come up here and investigate. Because a lot of these museums up here still, it's not like Waverly Hills where they have a $1,000 fee per person or whatever their fee is or Gettysburg or wherever. You know, this, a lot of these locations are doing it for the publicity, as you said, and, and they don't know. They're not educated or understanding how the paranormal works. They're very virgin to the subject. And that's what scares me about a lot of these locations that all of a sudden get hammered by paranormal teams who, uh, you know, come in and, and uh, you know, paint them a rose and leave with the thorns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what? This is why you might give get the publicity from the trusted group with the people you know. But after that, I'm a capitalist and charge <laughs> a fee for it because that'll make sure you get serious ghost hunters. And this, everyone's going to be like, what? You shouldn't charge. Or, Well, I mean, that's the ghost teams. They shouldn't charge to investigate. But really, if you want to control it, they want access, put your money where your mouth is because I need to maintain the property. I need to fix the roof. I need all these other things. This takes care of it. Mm-hmm. So and, there you go. And being, uh, and being doing investigations, like 
when Jake and I and Sandra and Melissa went up to the Quinell Museum, we all chipped in and, and like to investigate Mandy the Haunted Doll. We all took money from our pocket and donated yeah. it to the the museum in a thank you. And mm-hmm. I have no problems doing that that at any historic location. Whatever helps keep them afloat or keeps mm-hmm. whatever. We just want to be there to share their story. Do a lot of those locations, though, will they spread the word on the rules or or what should be done or should not be done with an influx of popularity? Yes. How do you know that? I would say yes. <laughs> because they told me, um, <laughs> to be honest. Um, yeah, I, I just I really preach the respect of the locations and and. And to tell the other places to to make sure that that's what teams are doing, because it's it's not fair to to these I call them delicate properties because we don't know how much longer they'll be around for mm-hmm. or, or things like that to to have as much protection and knowledge as possible in, into into what we're doing. Right, and you know, I, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, without trying to start a battle or a fight here, because there's no other paranormal <laughs> teams here on it but i like for instance i know there's one location mike that you you covered it at uh the bailey house in 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 merit british columbia where a paranormal team who sees demons everywhere you know they're making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and there's demons in the in the peanut butter jar okay <laughs> they went and actually painted over part of the museum without the museum's knowledge tell that story what yeah i have the picture i, I literally was just looking at that picture today there was a one picture second, going merle, down into merle one second because yep. in our intro if you watch our show on youtube we actually show a, a portion of that video where you can actually see it looks like a devil that's been drawn and it says heaven or hell and then there's an then there's another statement down below, I believe. 100%. That's exactly what it is. Yep. And, okay, and, tell the story. Pardon me for cutting you off. Oh, no worries. So the story of that is is the curator nor anyone knows where that came from, that drawing. It was drawn in charcoal or pastel type. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. O'Reilly Auto Parts provides more than just the right parts for your repair. Our professional parts people can also offer free check engine light diagnosis. We can scan your vehicle and provide a list of possible fixes. Find the right parts for you or recommend a great local repair shop. Don't ignore your check engine light. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. When you stay at a Verbo, the host doesn't stay with you. Because a vacation home with a stranger sounds a little bit like a horror movie. Only whole vacation homes. Always private. Book on the Verbo app. I don't want to say crayons, but well, whatever. Um, it was half devil, half angel. Okay. And when you'd walk down the stairs into the basement, you'd see it. You'd see it because the, the, the ceiling is low. And um, whenever I investigated there, uh, it just gave you a feeling. It, gave, it did something to the house. And um, this other team came in, and I guess their one of their team members said that the spirits want that gone. 
So they went to the home hardware, got a, some paint and painted over it without asking, which, which blows my mind that, that, that people would do something like that without getting a permission and B, why mm-hmm. would you want to do that to a, to a location? Cause that's taking away its natural preservation. Yeah. Not only that, but the fact that it's a museum. Absolutely. Yeah. What was the re- what was the response from the museum on that? They were really unhappy, and and like I had a long talk with them. It was the whole same respect talk that I give, and and the museum, the curator, or whomever is overseeing the museum has any has the right to come into your investigation at any moment, mm-hmm. and I I encourage it. Come check in on us. Come talk to us. Come make sure we're fine. And and that at the end of the day, they make the rules and stipulations of their property. Where they were just a guest. That's it. Nothing mm-hmm. more, nothing less. And I don't think that team's allowed back there. <laughs> um, well, I mean, no, just they're mortified. That yeah. But, but I mean, on the subject matter, when I talk about the owners have a lot more say, if someone puts something out there, I'm going to get all legalese on you, <laughs> and it harms someone's business. That falls under slander and libel laws. I don't know how Canada works, but if someone, you're a hotel, a group says there's demons here, you get like half half the block of reservations get canceled, that team is now on the hook to comp- compensate the hotel for that. So maybe it's because I'm from litigious USA, but when someone harms your business by doing something like that, this is the course you take. Yeah, Jacob Rice, not only is he a paranormal videographer, documentarian, <laughs> but he also likes a good litigious case of paranormal well, as well. Let me tell you, <laughs> but there mean, are remedies to wrongs. <laughs> but I mean, guys, it doesn't matter whether you're in Canada or the United yeah. States. It really, the, the one thing that I've always said about the paranormal and the reason why I don't care for it as a business is because it's anarchic. There is no mm-hmm. rules. There is no rule book. There is uh, no one out there, uh, any type of society, true society or true governing body, you know, that is mm-hmm. governing the rules and regulations to ghost hunting. And this is where I think a lot of locations get caught off guard because teams will talk very, very nicely to get into a location what they do there whether it's it's uh, you know alcohol drugs cigarettes or anything you know uh painting over over mm-hmm. uh art or painting over anything or ripping up carpets or digging through dirt i mean there really is no rule book and and these poor locations many times are are literally taking their location into their own hands with the hope that maybe, just maybe, they don't have to go to the police about vandalism. Like, if I was that museum at the Bailey House, I would have called the police yeah. for, for vandalism. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. no, I, I it, it sucks, but in the, the the house isn't the same since putting my paranormal investigator hat on. Um, the energy there is a lot more unwelcoming. <laughs> And I, I wonder if, if that is, is a reason to, to why that it's not as 
Has anybody like the, the ghost, I mean. has anybody tried to take the paint off with any sort yeah. of lacquer? And did it work? No. It removed the because it wasn't painted on. It was some sort of chalk or pastel. I I, I don't know what what or they they didn't even know what 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 they used to paint that on there. It was really old, like ancient. That's terrible. Yeah. See, that's what worries me. And no offense, guys, it worries me about what you're doing. Because you're 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 promoting all of these really cool locations, and now I fear for them those locations. You know, and, and look, you two are some of my best friends in this field. Okay, Merle, you and I are pretty tight. F twenty two wrapped Merle. That's a good one. <laughs> that is a good one. That is a good one. Um, but you know, like I, I just, I guess what I'm saying is, I'm scared for. Like, if I looked at my museum here now that I've stepped away, that they will accept anybody and their dog who has a camera there. And I, I'm scared that they're going to go in there and they're going to cause a lot of havoc. And they don't know what they're getting into, especially with the one spirit in the barn. Right? And I just don't need to be getting phone calls at 3 o'clock in the morning to come clean that up. Yeah. Right? You know, but I worry about these locations because, like I said especially here in Canada, there is a lot of virgin paranormal territory. And these people have no clue how ruthless ghost hunting teams can be. It, that's, when, when we go to the new locations, I, I, I try. I try my best to lead by example. That may come off as arrogant, but it's, I just mean by like being respectful and nice and very welcoming and transparent. And I try to instill that that's what they need to look for with other teams that come in there and that's, that's all they can really do. But I agree with you that a lot of the locations will get, get trampled or get extreme high traffic. And all the ones I've done over the past years along from here to, to Barkerville have had a lot of activity since. Well, and the interesting part about that is in the United States over the last decade or so, we've actually seen a lot of paranormal investigators get arrested for trespassing into mm-hmm. areas where they have no business being, whether it's an abandoned military base, whether it's a cemetery, shopping malls, okay, absolutely mm-hmm. anywhere, Jake. I mean, that that gets a little... At some point, the ghost hunting isn't worth breaking the Correct. law over. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Like I said, a lot of this stuff can be solved by contacting the owner and say, hey, I'll give you some bucks to let me go investigate um, or at least prove that you have insurance in case you break something. I mean, if, if we want to be responsible, put some money out there. That's probably the best way to ramp up the quality of investigator and teams coming to locations is make them pay, make them prove they've got insurance. If they break something, it's not that hard to call up your insurance agent to get, I don't know, a $5,000 policy or something like that. No, no. I, Hey, I fully, I fully understand with what you're saying. And we're mm-hmm. putting a picture up now on our YouTube screen of this character that was painted over by this paranormal group out of Van- out of uh, British Columbia. It says, heaven or earth, coming or going. And then it looks like a demon wolf or cougar mm-hmm. or something Dev- or devil with horns. And 
and uh, on the top and then on the bottom is a an angel with long blonde hair whose hair wraps around the devil's head i mean this thing is eerie absolutely mm-hmm. eerie you know and you that's see- somebody oh, sorry Dave. go ahead merle i was just gonna say you could see the devil when you're walking down the stairs and then when you come back up from the basement you would see the the angel Got it. And they had no no idea how old that was. No, and you could you could rub it off with your finger. That's what I mean. It was like chalk, Mm. charcoaly. Yeah. So, what part of this got painted over? All of it. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Someone needed to get busted for that. Yeah, and that's just downright wrong. I don't care if you agree with the message or not. The message creeps me out. It's creepy. Yeah, it it really does, you know, but I mean, you know, like even with our museum here, Merle, you did, you were here a lot, a lot of times when I was investigating, we had a local church, two local churches trying to get back at us saying that we were causing demonic activity on the museum, which drove people away. And then we had this really dark uh, arts uh, psychic claiming that we were bringing demons in to the place. Never once, out of all the paranormal investigators we ever had there, said that we were making demons happen. And, but that's just the way some people are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Scary. Scary. Yeah. When I hear that stuff, the first thing I'm like, okay, so prove it. Yeah. Prove it. How do you prove it? Prove it. Prove your psychic to begin with. <laughs> but. You know, that's that's all you got to say. Prove it. And if you can't prove it, you need to shut up. End of discussion. Well, you know what? When we come back, we're going to turn up the jets on a few of the paranormal stories that you guys have. We're going to learn about why Merle uses the Estes method now. And we're going (laughs) to I want you guys to hear if you haven't heard Jacob's story about the black eyed child he encountered on his own pro- Raising Cane's is bringing the party this Mardi Gras with tailgates full of cooked-to-order chicken fingers and jugs of freshly squeezed lemonade and freshly brewed tea. Order online or in the app today. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. One love. <laughs> Raising Cane's wants to help you get extra saucy this Mardi Gras. Stop by Cane's and pick up a doubloon for just $1. Then present the doubloon on all of your visits through April 6th for a free Cane's sauce with any purchase. Let the sauce and good times roll. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. One love. <laughs> doubloon's available to purchase 123.23 through 221.23. Redemption of offer valid 123.23 to 4623 at participating restaurants while supplies last. Limit one extra cane sauce with purchase per day. Property. This one's going to give you shivers. Stick around for the next half hour of Spaced Out Radio. We've got a couple creepy stories coming right at you on the mighty SOR and Ghosts of the Great White North. you got to admit, F-22 Rap Merle is large and in charge. That's strong. Very strong. That's, That's very strong. I can't believe the BS people did at that museum. I just, I'll be right back, I'm guys. totally shocked by that. Yeah. When we're when we're there in uh in May, I will I will show you where that is. Mm, that gets my goat. Pardon? That, that gets my goat. Like, yeah. 
I'm getting I'm getting angry just thinking <laughs> about that. And and the and the the staff and the volunteers and the board of directors they're wonderful. Like they're amazing, mm-hmm. nice people. They they love and cherish that location. Like mm-hmm. love it. And you can you can tell. Whenever we've done fundraisers there, they'd have little finger sandwiches for all the investigators that would like oh. all the the members of the public that would come investigate with us. Yeah, it's it's fun. And they tell mm. stories of the history and yeah, so I, you know what, and this is why I can see do it paratourism style simply because you have far more control. You know, it's two hours, you got guides, you have to have staff there. I, I totally understand it's the best way to control it um, for crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, the, the six locations that, that I've heard from in the past week are all untapped. So we got to, got to be. Make sure the respect. Hmm. What do you want to take it next? Uh, next half hour. I don't know. We, I mean, we can talk about the fun. Um, I remember, we're live right now too. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, so but everyone. I mean, this shouldn't be a shock because I posted it places. We have the new documentary that will probably drop at the end of the week. Yes. I won't go into too much detail because I figure you want to talk about that one. Yeah. Uh, okay. And well, we haven't even talked about like the inn. We haven't talked about sunset. We haven't talked about Rod May. Haven't talked about Spokane, dude. We got one hour left. Fifty-eight minutes. Yeah. I'm just reading the comments. I haven't even looked. Me too. <laughs> My nose is plugged. I hope you can't hear me mouth breathing. <laughs> no, I can't. I keep muting my thing. <laughs> like to do a big sniff, but yeah. no, I, I feel like a woolly mammoth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my allergies are starting to kick up. It's been warm down here, so the trees are waking up, and that's my allergy. So I'm like, I goop. See, this is what happens when you get old, folks. You start talking about allergies and sinus. <laughs> no, dude. Do you know what get happens? Do you know what happens when you get old? We just that? covered it the last half hour. The kids today. We use <laughs> all those whippersnappers on the TikTok. Never thought I'd be the these kids today guy. I know. <laughs> here we are. We have to entertain the kids because it's the only way they retain or learn anything. Got to gamify. Yeah. When I was young, I listened to the history. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) History's different now. History. Well, we're getting more history nowadays. That's good. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the Canadian stuff. I don't know how many people on the show are. are, uh, But this is all a whole new world to me. So, Well, you're basically 50% Canadian. I am. I am. I am. I have spent plenty of summer in up by Ottawa, Ontario for folks listening. I used to go up to Ottawa, Ontario to visit my grandparents all the time as a kid. And I'm drinking tea. Yeah, kids today. Well, <laughs> oh, I'm having the Mountain Dew. Could use some more Dew. I even had a Ouija glass. I was ready for. Ah, damn. Let me see that Ouija glass. This is a good one. See it? It's a little blurry, but it lo- looks like the Ouija game is strong with that mug. 
It is. Yeah. <laughs> but the best part of our our exploratory investigation documentaries this year is they're not on the gold. One is on the gold rush trail. Ah, uh, two are on the gold rush trail, but the others, nope, nope. Nope. The one, the most recent documentary that we have coming out was filmed right in my home state of Washington. In your house. (laughs) My house isn't haunted, but unless you count the dogs. (laughs) Which I'm kind of surprised Roxy hasn't. I'd like you to come film my house. (laughs) What's that, Dave? I'd like you to come film my house. Okay. I can, Merle seen it in action. I come with my studio. <laughs> Comes with like 36 cameras. You think I talk about gear cameras or what the latest tech is, Dave? <laughs> my, my, my cameras are junior, baby, and baby daddy. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Hey, guys, I want to say a big thank you to Jake, Nancy, Deb, and Lala for the amazing Super Chats tonight. The Super Chat is a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis, so thank you so, so much. Hello, little Timmy Senor, a.k.a. the Timbit. How you doing, buddy? Well, can't wait to get you on a little bit later on with Random Guy. Who else has jumped in here a little bit late? Donna Willis, thank you. She says, please come to Fredericton, New Brunswick. Trust me, Donna, that may be closer than what you think, if uh, Merle and I have anything to say about that. Right, Merle? Scott Jansen. How you doing? Don't forget to Merle it up, people, in the chat room. All right. Got to get this thing going here. All right. Here we go. Two seconds. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. We really do appreciate you tuning us on in wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. want to say hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. What do you got for us tonight, Clam? Let's take a look. Badenage. Badenage is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Here we go, hour number two of Ghosts of the Great White North. My main man, Merle, from the Paranormal Road Trippers out of Vancouver, British Columbia, joins us tonight, as he does once a month, to talk everything supernatural. Our special guest tonight, paranormal researcher and documentarian Jacob Rice out of the state of Washington. And thank you, gentlemen, for coming on in. And Jake, I want to start with you on this one. Because you scared, about a year ago now, scared the (laughs) daylights out of me with this incredible black-eyed kid story 
that happened on your property. Now, the, my audience loves black-eyed kids stories. So first of all, before you tell your story, it, maybe explain to our audience what the black-eyed kid phenomena is. Well, I, I wish we could really know what they were or mm-hmm. what they are, but it has something to do with you get a, a – it could be a single kid or a couple of kids – probably between eight and 12 years old. And they usually are wearing slightly worn out clothes. Hoodies are pretty common. And what happens is these kids look like humans, but they may not necessarily be humans. And they usually come up asking for help or assistance. Usually you're alone, either at home, you could be driving a parking lot, something like that. These kids will approach, ask to get in a car, get a ride, come in your house to use the phone, something like that. But when you look in their eyes, there's this inky black, and I don't know if there's draining life force out of you, but there's some kind of like psychic vampirism with them. And it can leave, knock people out. Um, you know, the, the strongest urban legends I've heard about them is it puts people into a coma. But let's just say you get a nasty hangover after one of these encounters with them. And after they do their business, they just vanish. So we don't know if they're some kind of psychic entity, you know, a paranormal entity for sure. Some people say they're aliens. I haven't looked into that link at all. So there you go. How was that, Dave? I I think that's a great explanation. And, And this encounter that you had... I think people need to know who you are a little bit because you're actually quite a skeptical fellow. You mm-hmm. know, you you try and debunk absolutely everything, and I would say for the most part, you're usually right on what you're able to debunk, especially the technology that Raising Canes wants to help you get extra saucy this Mardi Gras. Stop by Canes and pick up a doubloon for just $1. Then present the doubloon on all of your visits through April 6th for a free cane sauce with any purchase. Let the sauce and good times roll. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. One love. <laughs> Doubloons available to purchase 123.23 through 221.23. Redemption of offer valid 123.23 to 4623 at participating restaurants while supplies last. Limit one extra cane sauce with purchase per day. Four juicy Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. Texas toast, fries, coleslaw, and the secret cane sauce that makes the perfect box combo. One love, ready to go. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. One love. That is all coming out, and you've given very many warnings to people who are ghost hunters out there to say, look, save your money. Don't buy this piece of gear. I bought it. I tested it out because your daytime job, you are a technologist by mm-hmm. trade, yeah. and so you're you're trying to actually help improve the community by spending your own hard-earned money, which could be sometimes $50 or sometimes $1,500, on a piece of equipment that doesn't work <laughs> or isn't shown to work correctly on the shows. <laughs> right. So, so let's go to this black eyed kid experience. Did you yeah. believe in them before this happened? I did not. I didn't know a soul that had met these things. Um, my experience with them before January 2nd of 2022 was you know, what I've seen on In Search of Monsters and all the other, you know, paranormal shows on Discovery and Travel Channel. Um, or, you know, Reddit is really good with their Black Eyed Kid subreddits. If you haven't 
gone there and to check them out. There, a lot of people post their encounters there. But really, all I know is if there was a like shock doc on Discovery, that's about it. That's about all I know. All right. So tell our audience what happened. Okay. So uh, it's January 2nd, 2022. I remember this very clearly to this day. It was about 4.30, starting to get dark. And I live in Washington state and where I was, we had just been dumped on lots of snow and it was now melting. And I was just at my computer when I heard I have a a wireless buzzer and I heard the buzzer go off. So I look outside and I have a gate. It's about six feet high. It's cedar planks. Um, And usually I'm like, Oh, is it Amazon or am I getting a, delivery or something because it wasn't planned. So I look out my window and I can't see anything, but I have security cameras and I have one pointed right at the buzzer outside the gate. And I looked and I didn't see anything. So the first thing that I thought is, oh, great. The snow melting is screwing up the buzzer system. So I should probably go get this fixed. So I come out, let the dogs out. I've got five dogs, um, big dogs, (laughs) pit bulls. And you know, I'm walking, I walk up to the gate and as I'm approaching, there's like about quarter inch um, gaps in each one of the the planks. It's wood fence. And I could see a kid just standing there. And so I, you know, the dogs are playing. They're not really paying much attention to me at the time. And I'm like, oh, hi, do you need help? And the kid, it was a boy. Uh, I'm thinking he's about 10. I'm not that tall to begin with. So the kid is probably uh, probably four foot eight, I'm guessing. Anyway, he's wearing a hoodie. He's got blue jeans on, and which isn't really appropriate for the weather is what I'm thinking. And so I'm like, so can I help you? And he's like, I need to use your phone. Can you let me into you use your phone? I'm like, well, no, I've got my cell phone right here. Can you... I mean, what's your parents' number? I'll call them. Are are you staying down the street? Because the road that I live on, for the half mile stretch of my road, there's only three houses, and I'm in the middle. So there's one, you know, to the east and west of me, essentially. Um, on the other side is just a big open field, which is now covered with snow. Uh, so I don't know where this kid would have come from. And I'm like, no, just give me your parents' number. And he's like. Can you just let me in? I need to use your phone. And so the kid's coming up to the fence, but he has his hoodie down. And from what I could tell, he looked uh, either Hispanic or Native American. He had kind of olive skin, but his hoodie was over his face. And he just said one more time, let me in so I can use your phone. And then Mikey, who's my biggest pit bull, he's got like this gator head, he comes over by me and starts barking at the kid. And when I turn to shush him and look back, the kid's gone. So then I opened up the gate to go through and it's just an empty roadway, empty field. There's no footprints around. And so I'm like, I don't know where this kid is. So I went back to check my footage on the camera and you can see me walking up to the fence, but there's no one on the other side, never recorded a person on the other side. So I'm like, so I called Merle <laughs> and I'm like, dude, this just happened. And he had just recently had some black eyed kid activity too. I didn't know about. And 
you know, I guess Mikey saved the day because I didn't, I didn't look into the kids' eyes. Merle, you've that's had my, black, eye black eye kid in action. I did. I had um, I had a dream, and they were in it, and it was so terrifying. Um, I have it written down. I don't. I I, I remember vaguely offhand. Basically, I was in a vacant building, and they kept following me, and I could see them in the mirrors. There was a boy and a girl, and they were yeah, like the same age as the ones Jake was describing, but they were wearing Victorian clothes, and they kept saying, "Let me in." And I would, I remember locking a bathroom door. I was in this old Victorian home, and they kept yelling, "Let me in!" But then it would turn really low and disgusting, like demonic sounding like what you hear in the movies and i remember waking up and i swear to the gods that they were standing right beside me it was horrible that, that is just i've never experienced anything like that i've never experienced anything like that so that's just kind of creepy i mean jake getting back to your story i mean what do you think that was do you think it was a ghost a spirit something maybe a little demonic yeah, I mean, the first thing I thought is it, maybe I had a ghost. Um, maybe a kid got hit on the road at some point. Maybe this was an anniversary. I hadn't been living in the house that long. We just, it was, It's a new house, uh, so I don't really know the history of the area. When I went back to do like newspapers.com and search for any kids that might have died on my street, been hit by a car or something, there was nothing. So, you know, I don't really don't know what it what it could be um, at the end of the day for black eyed kids. I think it's pretty much unsettled what they are. Mm. What goes through you as a person when you have this happen? Explain that. Well, the shivers first that you get like, holy stuff. When something like that happens, uh, I actually, it was kind of post. It was when I went back to review the security cameras. I was like, <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, yeah, you're kind of dumbfounded on it. That's, and that's, then, of course, I start binging on information. So now I know a lot more about black-eyed kids. But it, apparently it, what I experienced is not an uncommon ex- experience for people that meet them. A lot of people don't let them in or engage with the kids. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm just thankful Mikey got pissed off at the kid. (laughs) I just couldn't imagine what that's like. And look, I've seen some pretty weird stuff, you know, and and Merle (laughs) has been with me a lot of times when we've seen some pretty weird stuff happen, you know, and, you know, and Merle and I have dealt with a lot of spirits together. You know, one of the most trippy ones was in the museum barn where we saw this, six foot black shadow spider crawling across the ceiling. That was horrible, Merle. That was disgusting, dude. Let's play that. Like a creeper. Let's play that one out because at the museum where, where I used to do my tours, they put up this one idiot who's on the council. And I call him an idiot because he is because he was a firefighter for 35 years. So therefore, there's no such thing as paranormal. I don't know how the two correlate, but apparently they do. 
<laughs> Inside the barn, there used to be an old jail cell from the old RCMP depot in town. And he thought it would be great to take one of the Clydesdale stalls inside the barn, happened to be the one that we caught, we had guests actually catch the face of a Clydesdale horse sticking out of the out of the doorwell. Okay, because they have half doors, right? And he decides he's going to build a jail cell. Well, the museum argument was that jail cell had been laying in that barn for 25 years and nothing happened. And I said, yes, but when you put it back together, it re-energizes itself. And what does a jail cell do? It's negative. It brings in negativity from murderers to petty thieves. Brings in all that negativity. So they wanted us to investigate it to see if there was anything bad about it. So Merle had had his partner Sandra there, and we had one of the museum people there named Tanya. And they walked inside the jail cell, and Merle and I are on the outside. And all of a sudden, from right to left, we see this really dark shadow, kind of, you know how a spider moves really creepy, crawly, and fast? Whiz across the ceiling, right through, they have this tarp there, right through mm-hmm. the tarp. And then it came back through the tarp, and it sat there right on the ceiling. And the ceiling's what, Merle, 12-foot ceiling, 10-foot ceiling? Yep. Okay. And it sat there on this ceiling right in front of the jail cell while the ladies are inside the cell. And then it wisps like a spider would. It wisps its way back in the way it came. And it was there for about a minute or two. And we, yeah, it, and was, it was... I don't know what it was, but it, it, it looked... It looked like the exorcism thing, like, you know, going down the stairs, like upside down person. That's what it looked like when it was crawling towards us on the roof or sorry, the ceiling. And yeah, just reliving that now. I haven't thought about that in quite some time, but now that I'm thinking about it again, that was terrifying (laughs) because I don't know what that was and I, I don't know where it came from or what. Like, has it been seen since, or was it just that time? Was it from the jail cell? It's funny, though, because that entire barn down below now, it used to have four or five spirits in it. Doesn't have any now. It used to be extremely active. Yeah. Whatever that jail cell did, it eliminated all of the all of the spirits on the bottom floor. All of them, except there's one by the front gate, the front door entry, and it hasn't touched anything upstairs. But I think there's a few brawls that go on between the dude upstairs and whatever's in that jail cell. Hmm. Yeah, no, I I, I miss investigating that place because we always got really good, good research there, good evidence. The ghost hunters still go up there? Do they still do tours of the place? They have they have only had one uh, crew come up there since I left the tour and told them to hit the road, and hmm. that was that was a television show called Beyond the Haunting. Okay, I don't know. Yeah, and uh, and they did a two hour ghost um, Gold Rush Trail ghost tour that uh, ended in Barkerville, started in Yale. 
in the canyon and, and ended in Barkerville. And, and, you know, it was, um, it was a quick shoot. And they, after that, they wanted me to come back and, and see if I would uh, restart the tour. And I just, I just said, guys, there's just too much history here. Like, like I would love to, our team would love to, but when you're, when you're accusing us of breaking and entering into buildings and ripping these buildings apart during the tour, that's kind of hard to get over. When we just donated $14,000 to you over the last mm. three years and never asked for a penny in return. But no, we're going to wreck those buildings and we're going to break and enter. <laughs> right? Mm. So... It's a little bit of a of a uh, a sore point for me, you know. But you know, you take that location though of the 108 Heritage Site, and I know those people in there, and I know how I foolish. I'm going to use the word foolish because I don't think stupid is the right word, but foolish they are to ghost hunters and ghost teams. Okay, and they don't fully understand how just allowing anybody in there could destroy it. Like the team that did that painted over that that picture at Bailey House. I remember they actually a few years previous had inquired about filming at the 108. And they are allegedly known for clearing spirits out of the building. And I said, you would have to sign a contract that says you're not clearing any spirits. And just so that doesn't happen, I will be going on tour standing in the background while you're filming your YouTube show. And there is a little bit of a long pause and yeah, 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 we could, we could do that. Not a problem, not a problem. And we don't clear spirits. Yes, you do. And, (laughs) and all of a sudden they knew their gig was up. Right. And, you know, they tried everything like, well, we don't usually allow other people on our, on our sets when we're shooting. I said, Hey guys, this is the rules. This is the rules. This is the way it goes. You don't like it. You don't have to shoot here, Mm -hmm. but it worries me because that location deserves much better than what it's getting. And other locations do too. But let's talk about some other, we got about three minutes to go here before we got to go to break here at the bottom of the hour, goes to the great white North with our main man, Merle, and special guest Jacob Rice tonight. Merle, let's get into some of your uh, better hauntings that you have uh, investigated recently. You know, you, you've had some exciting times, and you got also, uh, you also uh, late last year had a, a video go viral on TikTok regarding a haunted street. We did. Um, I think our TikTok video has over 500,000 views of um, Haunted Keeping Road. So there's a road in a town called Abbotsford, British Columbia. Um, and it's said that witches used to use the forest in this area. Um, bodies have been dumped on this road. People have practiced black magic down there. There's been a lot of drug dealing, a lot of gang activity there. Vehicles have been torched. Um, a lot of the words on the street are that you'll see a lady in white walking down the middle of the road. There's a ghost dog that'll come bite your tires. Um, if you flash your lights at the, at the trees, you'll see a man in one of the trees and Sandra and I went there. So 
when that video took off on TikTok, we had so many people from Abbotsford say, hey, we used to go there in high school and we saw this. You guys should try this technique or you guys should do this test. So we took the top, I think, three or four tests of what people said will attract the spirits or get you the activity of the road. And we filmed it. We went there. We drove up and down the street, tried to attract the lady, tried to have the dog bite our tires or chase our vehicle. We um, another, another story was if you put your car keys on the hood of your car and go in your vehicle, apparently a, a woman or a, a girl will run out of the the forest, take your keys and run away. <laughs> we did that reluctantly. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Nothing. We got nothing. Um, it's really creepy. It's a really remote road. Um, no one will hear you screaming. Nobody will hear a gun go off. They'll hear nothing. It's remote. Up, up a big, they call it Sumas Mountain. And we're going to go back because there's a couple other tests we want to try. Dave, you've been on that road. You're I have. I, I'm born and raised cool. in Abbotsford. And, yeah. you know, and you know what? There was actually an old mansion out there that was abandoned that was turned into a satanic ritualistic house. Yes. And you could, it, it was funny. I never was able to find the road it was on, but from certain parts on different streets, you could see the house. But it just finding how to get to that house was impossible for me. And at the end of Sleeping Road. Yes, I understand mm-hmm. that. And you know what? Knowing that area and knowing it, it has a gravity hill on it by the Ledgeview Golf Course, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's an interesting, interesting place. You know, very interesting. Goes to the Great White North. We got our man Merle from the Paranormal Road Trippers and Jacob Rice coming at you. More ghost stories as we continue the paranormal night before we turn it over to the UFO guys, Tim Senor and Random Guy. Space Out Radio next. Now, you know, you know what? True story. I once had a client come into my office. And I, I was talking to her about her finances and everything like that. And I said to her, I said, you know, I'm going to ask you a few questions because part of my job is to take a credit application. And uh, I said, how much is your property worth? She goes, I don't want to tell you. I said, come on, I need to know. Million, two million? She goes, no. And I said, 10 million? She goes, my property was assessed at over $60 million. Jesus. I said, well, where do you live? She goes, I, "She goes, well, my family pretty much owned all the top of Sumas Mountain, where they do all the, the gravel pits and the oils, rigs and everything. <laughs> $60 million. I looked at her and I just said, marry me. <laughs> <laughs> right? <clears throat> and she started laughing. Hey, Big Texas, how you doing, buddy? Overbuilt it's really creepy road. It it's is creepy up there. Yeah, and you know what? That whole area that they put up there. My sister used to live up there, just beyond Ledgeview. Uh, oh, what the hell was it called? Oh, I called it the the snootiest place in in Abbotsford because uh, all of the uh, all of the uh, um, the Joneses type people had to live up there. 
you know, you had your choice of three different houses that you could build and, and, uh, it was like one big, I don't even know how to put it. Gated community. Yeah. Gated community. And my sister and her ex-husband lived up there and, uh, the people up there were just horrific. Absolutely (laughs) horrific. I hated going there. Hated going there. So it's not just the vibes for you up there. No, no, nope. Yeah, ne- next half hour, we got to have Jake talk about all the documentaries that are coming out. Well, we'll get into that. And have come. Four juicy Raisin Cane's chicken fingers, garlicky buttered Texas toast, crispy crinkle cut fries, fresh coleslaw, and the secret cane sauce that makes the perfect box combo we take pride in making the best chicken finger meals one love ready to go and you can taste it in every bite raisin canes chicken fingers one love out and have come out and have because we have some barkerville area ones we've got in wells sunset theater i love it when you guys travel past me and don't even invite me to here we go I love that. That makes me. Well, no, that, that, that one, I stopped. We stopped on that trip. Yeah. On the way back for like eight minutes, eight minutes. I I mean, I brought, I brought you candies and RC Cola. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) When Merle came down or Cape disappointment, which is our next documentary is the haunted lighthouse one. Um, he brought like a ton of Canadian goodies. We don't get, I just love those cheesy poofs, man. Those, those are the best cheesy poofs ever, ever. Hostess ever. ones. Like, yes. you know, like the, the really hard ones, the cheesies. Yes. Yeah. I love those. Uh, <laughs> let's say hello to Philip Blair and Micheline O'Rourke Johansson. And we're wishing you and your father well. Uh, her father apparently had a heart attack. So, well, let's all send some loving and healing spirit over to Micheline's family. And who else do we got here? Mm-hmm. I think that's it. I think that's it. All right. No, uh, my sister's ex, uh, his, his brother was the emergency dink. Mystic Swak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My uh, ex-brother-in-law, uh, his brother, uh, used to be a firefighter, and he had a shrine of himself in his own house. What? Yeah. Rugged Source, how you doing? <laughs> I, you can't make this up. You cannot make this up. He had, he had a shrine to himself in his own house. And uh, we nicknamed him around here before my nephew's wedding this summer. We nicknamed him the emergency dink. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) 
All right. A uh, big thank you to our super chatters tonight. Lala, Deb, Nancy, and Jake. Very much appreciate the love and support. Spaced Out Radio. I will be in San Francisco, California, March 17th through 19th, hosting UFOCon 2023. Would love for you to join us. Come to UFOCon2023.com and get your tickets today. And if you haven't signed up for our Vegas fan party on May 19th through 21st at the Golden Nugget in Las Vegas, you could come meet me and Merle and many other of our special guest celebrities. We want all of you there. Tickets are 60 bucks or 100 for VIPs, and you get special VIP stuff as well. So come join us, info at spacedoutradio.com. We passed the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. I want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. You can also listen to us on every podcast format out there like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple iTunes, Google Play. We're all over the place. You pick it, we got it. Deezer? Yeah, we're on Deezer, too, in case you're a Deezer type of person. All right, let us continue on here. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and for the time being, until it gets shut down, TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. <laughs> yeah, goes to the Great White North. Continuing on with our good friend, Merle, the Merle's drone, and Jake Rice, documentarian. Now, before we get to more stories, Jake, you have had a very busy time here, you and Merle, collecting some documentaries and doing a lot of filming and putting them out. Yeah, so uh, I think we will have our fifth documentary out this weekend. Um, and we could talk, let's talk about that one a little bit, but the, the first series, uh, heavy on the Canadian history, uh, we started off with ghosts at the inn, which is our very first official documentary that was filmed in Powell river, British Columbia, uh, along the, is it the sunshine coast? I'm sorry. Yes. I got that wrong. Sunshine coast, old, uh, lumber mill town, pulp mill town. And we stayed at one of the historic, <laughs> It, it was a government building back in the day, but now it's been turned into an inn kind of, it's got a bit of a bed and breakfast feel to it, but uh, lots of amazing history and ghostly activity there. Uh, the next one we had was the Sunset Theater, which was up in Wells, British Columbia by Barkerville. And we got to investigate, oh, it was like a 110 year old building or was it built in the thirties? I can't remember when it was built. I know the piano was 110 years old. Piano was 110. They they built, the theater was built in the twenties. Twenties. You spent some time as a morgue (laughs) for a brief period. Let's just say there was a very happy ghost playing with the piano or playing the the piano while we were there. Uh, After that hotel Rodmay, that was actually filmed while we were at 
go set the inn, which is the old courtyard inn, old court, courthouse. Yeah, old courthouse inn because it was a courthouse. Uh, but we did Hotel Rodmay, which was another one of the pioneer type hotels that was built when the the team was growing. There, there, that was an adventure. We could only put parts of it on in the documentary for privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was quite an adventure. That thing is loaded with. Was it the Chinese Tong Gang? Yep. Uh, had some activity going on there. And then our most recent one that's out is Go Set the Lodge at Alexandra Lodge. Uh, we talked about that one quite a bit. But the next one, uh, let's just, we can we can pitch Come it on. right now, I guess. Let's, da, 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 da. It's called Go Set the Lighthouse. It was filmed at Cape Disappointment. And we did an investigation uh, into the suicide of Mary Pisanen, who was the lighthouse keeper's wife, as well as trying out some new techniques, which Dave, are you ready? One of those experiments went a little heavy on the woo. No. Yes, we did. We call it the North head technique. We invented it. it. And, and the woo part is it's a take on the modern. It's a modern take on the seance, but in, you know, so people come around connect hands, positive intentions, you know, raise, raise the positivity life force kind of thing, but we're using, raising the energy, but we're using ITC devices like an Ovilus uh, EMF detectors, like a Paralyte plus or the ghost to interact with. And while Merle is doing the Estes method. (laughs) So you can imagine you got the candles Everyone's holding hands. You've got these neon glowing lights from all the gadgets. And Merle is rattling off what the Estes has to say. Yeah. Spirits are communing through Merle as well as the gadgets. And on top of that, we did a telegraphy test. I was there sending Morse code and we were getting phantom Morse code returned to us. So no you'll way. see all of that <laughs> in that documentary. Did I spoil too much? I don't know. No. It can be on YouTube. So go ahead. You just like <laughs> drop it this weekend. I I think that's uh that's fantastic that you guys are getting all of that. What does that mean for people who may not understand? What what do these methods mean that you're testing out? Whether it's the Estes method or this other one. You want to take that, Merle? No, this is all you. This this <laughs> you're pushing the lighthouse. This is all Jake time. Yeah, so with the lighthouse, well, we'll start with uh the telegraphy test part of it. So that this is the little thing you key to send Morse code. I got one of those because at the lighthouse they had a huge uh telegraph tower there. It used to transmit to all the ships coming off shore in case there was an emergency or something. And understanding it's the graveyard of the Pacific, there's a lot of death. There are a lot of ships in distress. So we, and this shout out to Rachel Brevik, because she noticed this about the lighthouse. We used that just in case there could be some ghost ships still, still around. Because it is loaded with shipwrecks. Uh, and a lot of sailors had died, either crushed on the rocks or known to climb the sea cliffs and fall when they're trying to be rescued. That's a little hyper- hyperbolic with the history, but uh, it did happen. And so just by keying it, it was, will the spirits respond to this? Because this would have been understanding the lighthouse was built in the 18, in 1898. Uh, This would have been the most popular way to communicate. And while I was able to debunk the phantom Morse code, 
we started to get all this crazy stuff with motion sensors going off EVPs. So those ghost voices you hear uh, on your recordings. But the other big thing is we got a DVP. So direct voice phenomenon. We could hear someone talk to us in, in the lighthouse keepers residence. So that was, and it's really weird doing this because the, the gadgets we're using may not necessarily be, tuned to spirit communication, but let's just say the spirits let you know they were in the house. That is just incredible. And what goes through your mind when all of a sudden you get that sort of communication? Uh, Holy F word is (laughs) pretty much what goes, goes through though. I think the wilder thing was when we were doing the North head technique, which is the modern take on the seance. Because we're asking questions, Merle can't hear us because, say, when you do the Estes method, you've got a spirit box, so the radio thing that goes through all the radio frequencies, and he's got these headphones on that dampen all the sound by like 25 decibels. So you can't hear someone talking next to you. And so we're asking questions. He's legit responding. The other crazy thing is we have the Paralyte, an EMF detector. It's like a lantern that has rainbow colors that will flash when it detects uh, energy anomalies. And it's, we're asking ghosts to touch it. They touch it three times. Like it was commanded. We, we, we did not get EVPs during the session, but the ovalist, which I think is usually a piece of crap gadget. It actually gave correct answers to the questions. And normally it never shuts up. Over the entire 50 minutes, Merle's under doing this thing. It only responded eight times and actually answered everything we asked as it should. So, in go- and going into this experiment we were doing, I was like, oh, God, Jake has the ovulus out. Oh, God, here, here we go. <laughs> um, but because I, I poop on that one all the time. And... Um, watching the video and playback playback it was kind of neat just to see the correlated responses because i have the blindfold on i have the earphones on and to watch hear them ask their questions and me answer them was 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 pretty creepy actually to watch because i think that's the best reactions we've had doing that mm-hmm. no, yeah. I, I think that's wonderful i think that's absolutely wonderful and for people who may not know what the estes method is merle why don't you explain that one so the Estes method is a, is a form of sensory deprivation. Um, you take your spirit box. Um, so Jake would put a, he'd have a spirit box, he'd have his headphones on, and he'd have a blindfold on. So Jake can't see or hear anything but the sound of, of the white noise of the spirit box. And we all know that, that it said that a spirit is said to be able to manipulate the AM, FM frequencies to spit out words. Um, the the unique thing about our spirit boxes is we we've taken the antenna out and we've cut the the wires so there is no radio that comes through on it and with Jake's senses heightened cuz he can't see or hear um when i'm asking questions usually it could be from a different room or beside him he has no clue um we get really interesting answers to our questions so that's basically it's basically doing a spirit box session. Sorry, a spirit box session, but with sensory deprivation. Yeah, 
right. And the other part is because part of this is we wanted to do something old school. So we had the Polaroids. We had an RCA tape recorder that we were using. We had a compass. Uh, the compass, some of this stuff is because of the age. The spirits were probably connecting with a new gadget would probably be very intimidating to them. So we tried to use older gear so it'd be more familiar and more likely to interact. Uh, so one of the things we did was Ouija board. We did a Ouija board session too. Um, like I said, spiritualist themed, a talking board. And while I would say the results of the Ouija board were mixed, we picked up EVPs. Um, and I think that's the thing. You're using all these modern gadgets. Maybe ghosts don't necessarily, they don't want to interact or touch them, but they'll talk. And you still need to have things available to collect that. So while well, the Ouija board session, I mean, it was interesting. The EVPs we got from that session were far more interesting. I see that. What kind of communication are you getting? Give us an example. Well, like during the Ouija board session, uh, it's it was pretty much aimed at what happened to Mary Watson Pisanen, who was the lighthouse keeper's wife. But as they're asking questions, you would get what sounds like someone standing behind you and breathing. Another part of it is when you kick off and say, these are intentions, you're getting EVPs they are saying, hey, how are you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like someone is talking to you. They, but the, the planchette going around, I would say, was we got an age. Uh, we might have identified someone involved with the, the accident that took Mary's life as well. Um, for the um, te- telegraph session, which was the Morse code one, that was wild because I don't think we were expecting to get EVPs. No, that one. But the whole theme about the lighthouse from all of our sessions, there was this big theme around go, leaving, coming. Like there were certain phrases we kept getting all the time. And I don't know if they're saying you need to go. We did get one response that said, do run. Mm -hmm. A lot of it was either people were, I don't know if they were transiting through, but there was, it was all very travel kind of related. Coming, going, leaving. That was that was a lot <laughs> of the, the responses that we would get across the board with all of our experiments. Oh, very interesting. Now, the spirits, how do they react to this kind of communication or, or this type of investigation? Well, Merle, it was interesting with him when we were doing the North Head technique. It seemed like he was being targeted. Um, that a spirit wasn't very happy with what we were doing. Now, the, the people that lived in the residence were part of the unity movement, which didn't believe in medicine and definitely didn't believe in the occult. And you could tell by the responses that were going on, Merle was talking to perhaps different spirits because some of them seemed to be curious and others just wanted it to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, so I could see that. So when you watch specifically the North head technique, you'll get some are curious at the beginning. And as the session goes on, it becomes obvious 
someone doesn't want you to continue with what you're doing. Yep. I mean, it did look eerie. You have all these crazy lights, things, (laughs) big old candles on the table, people holding hands, singing Kumbaya, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And Merle wearing this crazy getup blind with a headset on uh, talking to them. I mean, it, it would be, I would think, if, if you were someone from the 1910s, maybe 1920s, you'd be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> Get out of my house. <laughs> but then at other times during the telegraph session, they, there wasn't anything I would say. Didn't There was just more curiosity coming and checking out what was happening, but not necessarily wanting to get involved. And you, you'll see that, especially with the staircase. Were the spirits violent at all? Mm-mm. I mean, there, you know, one of them was kind of probably pissed uh, that we were there. But other than that, every, it was kind of, I would say, neutral. I wouldn't say we, we have the one spirit with the how are you's and the girl's voice. Tolerant. Yeah, tolerant. I would say tolerant overall. They were tolerant of Merle. They were tolerating Merle, except in that bedroom upstairs. They were getting all fresh with him. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, they, they were getting fresh with Merle. No, you got to tell us this story. So J- Jake was getting strapped in for the Estes method upstairs. So the bedroom that we did his session in um, was on Ghost Adventures, where Zach got, Zach Baggins got possessed or taken over by the spirit of the house. Um, so, of course, we got to do a session in there, right? Course. So while while I'm filming Jake, I'm asking the questions during this during his session, and I just kept feeling it wasn't wind because there was no wind around me. Obviously, we're going to try and debunk everything before we call what what we think it could be. So I kept feeling something come closer to me and like blow on my neck, like right right below my ear, like over and over. I'd get creeped out. Then, then I would be in flight mode where I'm like, okay, I'm done. I got to run. Got to leave. But then I would be like, no, just chill. You're not the run guy anymore. Um, so it happened, I think, three or four times while Jake was doing his session. And I think I actually did call it because of that. You did. Yeah, you marked yeah. it. You marked it. Yeah. It's just a weird sensation. Let's get to some audience questions here. Tim wants to know, have you ever filmed yourselves using a Ouija board while you were all blindfolded? Next one. That's a good idea. <laughs> um, actually, what what I did buy is I bought a Victorian automatic planchette. So it's like a Ouija planchette, and you put a quill or a pencil. You screw a quill or a pencil in it, and you would put a blindfold on with a piece of paper, and it said a spirit will write words through this and that actually I'm off to Spokane and uh, we're going to try that technique with a blindfold. So it's kind of like using a Ouija board with a blindfold. I've never done it. Never done it. Let's go to Gloria. Have you ever heard of the drowning child EVP? Oh, no. That is one I wouldn't want to hear. No, no, no. I get real sick to my stomach to anything that deals with kids. Let's go to Nicole. Ever get apports or physical manifestations? 
like a full body apparition. I, I've seen, I saw one on the SS Sycamus where I saw the captain of the boat and he looked at me and disappeared. Um, sometimes, sometimes we'll see spirits. I have, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, the only time I've seen a full-bodied was uh, Suicide Bridge in Pasadena, California. It was during broad daylight, and she came and went quickly. Lady wearing a black dress on the bridge. But that I, I ha- do have some apparitions and pictures, but with my own eyes. Uh, just that one time. Yeah, for me, it would be, uh, I've never seen the guy up on the stairs. I've seen his energy, but mm. I've never seen him fully. And I know I've been attacked by him. He's not fun. He's not fun at all. And then, you know, full body apparitions? The guy in my backyard. Yeah. Yeah, the guy by the tree in my backyard. I mean, watching him just standing there staring at me. And then vanish into nothing right in front of me. That was weird. Philip wants to know, what do you guys have planned for Spokane? Oh, oh. <laughs> um, staying in a Victorian house. Um, Going to go visit the Paranorthwest team and Amanda Paulson, known as Pretty F and Spooky. And we're going to be doing a three-night investigation. Which I'm not invited to. No, Dave, here here comes the and. Before you said that. Um, cryptid investigation when there's no snow. How do you feel about that? Oh, who are you doing the cryptid one with? I'm calling you out on the radio. <laughs> wow. Summer, summertime. Did I, did I actually, Everyone heard it. Did I actually Everyone get invited? Did I actually get invited by Merle? Wow. Put your pad, put your pads on, Dave. You're coming up to the big leads. Wow. Wow. That's just amazing. We'll hook up with uh, Nate and Corey Rudd there, too, with uh, Washington, Idaho, Bigfoot Society. Okay. Cool. Yeah, they're in Spokane, aren't they? They're in Spokane, too. Cool. Yeah. We got two minutes left, gentlemen. Two minutes left before we get to say goodnight here on Ghosts of the Great White North with Merle and otherwise known as unidentified Merlian phenomena. <laughs> yes. But Jake, for you, what do you what's what comes up next? Well, we've got the lighthouse uh that comes out most likely this weekend. Just some minor tweaks to the edit. And then after that, uh it'll be after Merle's investigation. I'll I'll get to cut and uh, I don't think we have a name for it yet, but it'll be the Spokane investigation. We have a few more road trips planned from there on out. I don't know if I should talk about them just yet, but you know, you can find everything on the YouTube channel, ghostly activities under documentaries. We've got, we've got all the documentaries there. If you want to check it out. That's kind of cool. A quick question here from human. Carl has anyone ever used a Ouija board upside down? Well, I guess technically the ang- your angle of when you're doing it, it could be upside down. <laughs> no, no, I haven't. I haven't either. I have. Because I, yeah. I was at the wrong position. Somebody was sitting in front where the letters were, and I was in the back. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, nothing changed. 
Nothing okay. changed. Let everybody know where they can find these videos that you guys are cutting up here, gentlemen. Go you want that it, one, Merle? Okay. I mean, so Ghostly Activities on YouTube. Uh, there's a playlist for documentaries right up top. You can go there. I've got some where I don't investigate with Merle there, too, like at Thornwood Castle. Uh, so you can check those out there. Uh, and then on my website, ghostmonsters.com, there's a lot more ghostly information there that you can get. I also have cryptids on it because I love a monster. I know you I like a good monster. I, I just learned all about Ogopogo. I got to bring you up here to our Bigfoot site. Okay. Yeah, we got to do that. Jake Rice, always a pleasure to have you here, my friend. Thank you, sir. Merle, always always a pleasure to have you here from the Paranormal Road Trippers. Go find them all on social media. Coming up next, we're going to head to the swamp. Then, little Timmy Senor is going to be here for the UFO report. There may be a random guy sighting as well. Spaced Out Radio's Hour 3 continues right after this. All right, guys. Great job. Great Thank job you, sir. tonight. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. As soon as, uh, guys, as soon as uh, the snow is melted, probably in early May in that area, we're going right back up. Awesome. So uh, whatever you want to come on in, uh, come on up and do it. Just come on up. Sounds good. The drum's still set up. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Yep. I got, a, bring the I got a new guitar today. Oh yeah, okay. I went to the I went to get Colby's uh, skate sharpened today, and he's got a pawn shop in there. He's got a uh, Flying V Dean VX guitar. He he had it on for one hundred forty five bucks. I gave him a hundred bucks for it. I went on Amazon to see what it, what their cost is. About five hundred. Damn, nice. Yeah, so I got a black fl- black on black Flying V now. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty happy. You need that Gretsch. You need that Gretsch. No, Gretsches are, I'm way too young for a Gretsch, and they're ugly anyways. (laughs) (laughs) I love them. My favorite. Yeah. Yeah. So, bought it for my son so he could rock out and go from there. All right. uh, See you guys. All right. Merle will talk soon. Jake will talk soon. Yeah, Merle, I'll call you later. Yeah, Merle, he'll call you later. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Sean Davis, welcome to SOR Chat. Raul. Oh, anytime you want to roll it out, Raul, I'm here for you, buddy. I am here for you. Little Johnny Davies, how are you? Uh, Dark Protocol, thanks for coming on in. And uh, you guys sit back, relax. I will be right back. Hi, Jerry Carter. And uh, go from there. Be right back.
right. We haven't fun yet or what? Hello, United We Stand. Tim Mothman, how are you? <coughs> I'll show you a picture of my boy here. One second here, where is it here? There it is. There's my boy. Playing his guitar. Cool, eh? Yeah. Thank you to Jake, Nancy, Deb, and Lala for the super chats tonight. Wonderful way to support what we do. Hi, Thomas Rock. How you doing? And uh, let's get things going here with hour number three. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Kicking off the third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can find us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple iTunes, Google Play, and every other big-time podcast network out there. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Badenage. Badenage is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as a clam sets a password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again for us to head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller takes us on another spooky journey. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. My husband and I play music together. And in August 2017, we were on tour through Nevada and California. We decided after Reno that we'd drive through Yosemite to our next show in Fresno. We opted to take the arguably less scenic route, traveling down the California-Nevada border. By the time we made it to the 120 for Yosemite, it was dark. But since our van was our home and we didn't have to mess with the tent, we weren't that concerned. We figured we would just stop at the first campsite we saw along the route, park the van, and explore the next day. The further we go, the darker it seems to get. And for being one of the most populated national parks, it seems very dead. It's a little after 1am, and while my husband continues to look for any sign of anything, I lean back and I start to doze off. 
While we slowly drive through these windy two-lane forest roads, I feel the car slow to a stop, and the low music that we're listening to gets cut. I'm still leaning back, and I'm about to ask what's going on, but just as I started to speak, Ryan did too. Amanda, Amanda, look, look, do you see that? I lean my seat up, and about 50 yards in front of us, partially lit by our headlights, is a figure standing on the side of the road, wearing all white, shoulders square, head down, but facing the direction we're approaching. Ryan asks if I think it's a ghost, and I'm genuinely considering it a possibility. We haven't seen a town, a person, or even a car for hours. There was just no reason for a person to be out here, especially so close to the road. Ryan slowly releases his foot from the brakes, letting the van crawl forward towards the figure standing on the side of the road. When our headlights cast a full light onto the entity, it's about 25 yards in front of us when Ryan leans pressure back on the brakes. It's a man, barefoot, wearing a white button-up shirt and flowy taekwondo-esque looking pants. His stoicism is unbroken as we approached. We just stared at him and he stared back at us. Clean cut, shaggy brown hair, mid-twenties or thirties. He no longer resembled a ghost. The bottom cuffs of his pants were torn and dirty, and I thought that I could see a shadow behind him in the light. His hand wasn't outstretched as if he was hitchhiking, nor did he have any belongings with him. I don't know if he was even looking at us, or just through us, like he was standing with his attention fixed, with or without a van shining its beams in his face, like his eyes, they didn't even squint when the light hit. Something felt so off. I remember saying my husband's name out loud in a tone that definitely conveyed concern. I know I wanted to speed up and get past this man. Without a word, Ryan hits the gas and we zip past him. We both had goosebumps the remainder of that drive and I was wide awake for the rest of it too. We drove for a while without stopping, but eventually... We made ourselves turn into a campground, opting for a spot underneath what seemed to be the only streetlight in the entire place. If you're entering the park from the east, this was just before Tioga Pass, right before the east entrance of Yosemite. And that's why we love the Swamp Dwellers channel around here, because he spooks us out each and every night, right here to kick off hour number three of Spaced Out Radio. Each and every night. So thank you, Swamp Dweller, for another great story. You can go to his YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads to get more information, more stories, all for free. From the swamp to the stars, it is time once again where we bring in little Timmy Senor, our resident Timbit, for the UFO report. Nobody's going to know. They're going to know. Timmy Senor, it's always great to have you back on Spaced Out Radio. And 
The wild week continues with strange news. Is it Chinese? Is it UFOs? Is it aliens? Is it spy balloons? And I don't know where we're going tonight, man. I really don't. Are, are, are you having fun yet? That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I'm enjoying the ride. Honestly, like I said, anytime I see UFOs in the headlines, I'm happy. Yeah, just need you to move a little bit closer to your microphone there. You're really, oh, yeah. really quiet. Okay, really. how's that? Is That's that any much better? better. Thank you. Cool. Thank yeah, you. anytime there's UFOs in the headlines, you see me smiling. That is for sure, brother. You know, there's a lot of people getting sick of this story, but you know what? I got to admit, and I was telling random guy this earlier on on the phone, I'm having fun with this right now. (laughs) We are literally through social media, the news and everything, watching real live propaganda played out by the military and the U.S. government. We're we're watching this. Okay. And yes, people are taking it verbatim, verbatim, okay? And it's just amazing how many people, not just in the UFO community, really do believe there's aliens coming down and that we we are at the start of an invasion and Project Bluebeam is here and, and everything to do with extraterrestrials I mean, there are people right now, you know, shopping at 24-hour gun stores, buying ammunition and weapons because them aliens, they're on their way. Well, that's the American way, bud. Come on. We like to be prepared. So, uh, you know, get the ammunition, get all the dry goods you can, and uh, hunker down because who knows what those balloons are going to be raining next. But, um, I mean... You know, it's interesting that it is still in the headlines and that we're seeing senators and Congress people talking on it and giving their opinions. And Mark Rubio has been out talking about it. Senator Kennedy has been out talking about it. And we're getting some pretty interesting opinions coming forward, you know, and we're going to talk about that tonight because there's still a jury out exactly on what these last three objects exactly were. And it's sounding like we may not even recover the one in the Yukon. Oh, that one's going to be recovered. They know where it is. But this is the story that it's, it's hard. And so, you know, recently there was a statement. And so I've got that update for us at some point here, but Yeah, they are definitely trying to pass the buck. There's nobody coming out with responsibility or answers, and they're still calling them objects. Yeah. You know what I noticed through a lot of this entire thing over the last week? How much more the term UFO was used by government officials and politicians alike and not the dreaded UAP that you love so much. I love that. It was old school, man. Total old school. Yeah, it's beautiful. Literally, I mean, that's what I was saying. Seeing a UFO in the headlines is fantastic. Um, in fact, one of the headlines had Big Bigfoot and UFOs in it, and it was a serious article. And I was like, all right. Um, but I think that you're bringing up a great point, that UAP and UFO are two different things. 
And the media is even treating them as two different things. And I believe that if they really want to get people's attention, they're using the word UFO. Yes, absolutely. UFO. Absolutely. And, and you know what? I will stick to my guns. Like I said at the beginning of the year when I said I am trying to ban the, the term UAP on this show. And I know it's not going to win, but at least for me and my audience, I want them to use UFO. Because the minute you use that UAP acronym, in my opinion, maybe people are not going to agree with me. But in my opinion, the term UAP means you bought into the government narrative on this subject. And the government narrative is not taking us down a road that we want to see. Not at all. And I love the fact that we're starting to see more UFO talk because that's exactly what it is. They're UFOs. Yeah. And in fact, if you don't mind jumping right into my first headline of the night, I think that it's a pretty big one. Do you want to hit it? Yeah, let's go right to it right off the bat because apparently on Google Maps, they now have an alien tracker. What's going on here? And Bigfoot. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the headline that literally Google Maps now has an alien tracker that lets you see if UFO or Bigfoot is sighted near your home. And so the good news for alien and Bigfoot hunters everywhere is that there's a new feature in Google Maps and it has been launched. It's going to allow you to keep track of all the sightings in your neighborhood. So the crowdsourced map reveals UFO and Bigfoot sightings near you. And there are more than you might think. The map, the map is not only open to the public submissions, but it also reveals supernatural hotspots. So dozens of sightings overlap in, say, Harlan, Kentucky, making that state a hotspot, and especially in Harlan. And so, you know, dubbed Bigfoot, UFO, and more sightings, the research is a Google map that currently comprises 361 sightings dating back to the 1940s. The map is an assemblage of recent public submissions and historical records. The national map is crowdsourced, meaning anyone can contribute. It was started by Thomas Markham of Bell County, Kentucky in 2014 and has over 1.3 million views so far, but the last entry made less than two weeks ago. So it's estimated that two-thirds of Americans believe in extraterrestrial life now. And in a week, there were three unidentified objects that have been shot down by the U.S. government. The public has been on red alert for possible supernatural sightings. So is E.T. finally coming home? Or perhaps we have sci-fi fanatics being let loose with a spreadsheet of some sort. But either way, the U.S. government has dismissed rumors that the recent takedowns could be life from another planet. Are they doing anything else like hauntings or other sorts of uh, monster sightings? It does look like they have three or four subcategories there that I can see. Uh, definitely question mark is one. Uh, it looks like hauntings and Bigfoot and UFO. Beautiful. So, yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. I, and yeah. you know what? I, I could see people having a lot of fun. And, and this kind of ties in to what we were talking about with Merle and, and Jake about 
paranormal tourism. Like this, you look at this map and you can say, wow, you know, like between July and August, there was 17 Sasquatch sightings in Spokane, Washington. Or, you know, in Winnipeg, Manitoba, there were there were 38 UFO sightings between September and October. You can literally plan your holidays if you're into the weirdness and the and the Fortean life. You can plan your holidays around a map like this. I think it's so cool, and it's great that Google's getting involved because it's going to put it in the hands of millions. So I love this, and I'm totally going to be using it. Um, I have, in fact, in the past been to one of these places that is a ghost tour. I went to the Undercity of Seattle. And I can tell you, I wouldn't have wanted to do that without a tour guide because I can't imagine being lost in the catacombs below Seattle all by myself or with friends even. That would be just a nightmare. It's so dark and spooky down there. So I respect all these teams that have the guts to go to these haunted locations that's some other level stuff you know to to have the fortitude to be able to do that and isolate yourself in scary places yeah oh i agree i agree and and you know what i think we're going to start seeing more of this here very very soon i really do (laughs) you know paratourism is that what it's called paratourism or whatever you want to call it you know as people are searching for different things to do in life why not why not? And, and you know what? Of course, because it's Google, it'll probably have government ties to everything that goes on. But I would like to see how you create a report. How do you mark it down? Is it like is it like geocaching where you just punch in your coordinates and your explanation and then hit send? Or is it something like a MUFON application where you have to file a report in order to get it in there? Because the issue that you're going to have with something like this is fake reports. That's the problem that you're going to have. So the question is, who is actually monitoring this to make the reports at least somewhat real? You know, I hate to be a Debbie Downer on something like this because I would absolutely love to see it. But who's monitoring it to confirm whether or not the reports are real? I mean, there's... Crowdsource, yeah. You know, there's nothing saying that a bunch of internet trolls or Mick Wests out there uh, don't jump on there and do a social experiment, you know, by putting, say, 42 Sasquatch sightings in the middle of Kentucky. Don't and, give him ideas. Well, I understand that. But, <laughs> but you know, you see what I'm saying, though. You know, I unless do. you have somebody verifying or you've teamed up with MUFON or, or uh, BFRO, that's where I could see a little bit of issue. Yeah. By the way, I have a story for you. Please, I would love one. Do you remember a couple weeks ago we were talking about how MUFON's executive directors were all in Washington, D.C.? I do remember that conversation, yes. Yes, and they they were hiring or joining a lobbyist group called A-10 Associates. Okay. Well... It was announced on MUFON's website earlier this week, and I was tipped off about it today, that the board of directors of MUFON now includes a lady named 
Jessica Beeson Toko. Who is she? Well, Jessica, in her bio, is the CEO and founder of A10 Associates and has over a decade of unique experience working with local, state, federal, and international governments. Jess runs the firm's overall operations and involves herself in all divisions. She additionally leads the firm's federal practice group. Before launching A10 Associates, she worked under George W. Bush White House, and uh, she previously served as the director of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce in Vietnam and director of Asia-Pacific Council of American Chambers, helping U.S. companies across 25 different Asian cities shape policies and coordinate lobbying efforts to promote American exports. Since moving back to Massachusetts, Jess maintains strong relationships with the Massachusetts Congressional Delegation. She is also active with both the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee and the National Republican Congressional Committee. How do you feel about a lobbyist now joining MUFON's Board of Directors? Professional lobbyist? Professional lobbyist. Well, they're professional, so... No, I'm just kidding. Um, lots of follow-up questions, obviously. Um, I guess the why. Why do you think this person has been brought on board? I asked you the question first. You're not going to answer me with a question with a question. Well, this is new information to me. So, I, I mean, I would need to know more before I can draw a conclusion. At that, At this point, knowing what I know... Um, it sounds like they're preparing to partner up in some way, and this is a liaison of some sort. I look at it this way. Is to me, if I'm a MUFON investigator or a state director, I would have some serious questions about the direction of where MUFON is going. Okay, there are those out there who will say MUFON has always been tied to the government, either secretly or publicly, so it's not that big of a deal. And there are going to be others who say, hey, I didn't get into MUFON to team up with the government. I came to find answers because the government isn't giving us the answers. So I'm very curious to see how the, I'm going to toe the middle line here on this one. But I'm very curious to see how this is going to play out because I do know that there are some very big name state directors that are watching this process being played out very, very closely. And I do know that they are very concerned about the direction that MUFON is going under its current leadership. And they want some answers as to why MUFON is now really pushing the gamut on getting into Washington, D.C. And what is the purpose of all of that? So it's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out. I don't know how it's going to play out. I got friends on both sides of that argument. And, you know, when you're in a position like I am, you meet a lot of people. And you talk to a lot of people. And I I just want to see MUFON come out of this golden for once. Because over the last number of years, every time they try a stunt like this, it ends up shooting them back in their own foot. 
So I hope this isn't the case. Indeed. I'm 100% with you. I'm right down the middle on this. I need to know more. However, let's finish we'll that. what happens. Let's finish that thought when you come back. We'll get Tim's thoughts on MUFON having a lobbyist on their board of directors now. And the UFO report will also see us get into Space Force when we return on Spaced Out Radio's UFO report. Random guy will be joining us at the top of the hour for a little overtime. Yeah. Meaty. Meaty stuff. Well, that's really interesting. Um, And, yeah. It sounds like they got what they were asking for in that letter. Yeah. Yeah. I like your cup. Thank you. Hey, Shock Filet. How are you, buddy? No, I, I'm not mad about it. Uh, to me, it's disappointing. And like I said, I have a lot of friends on MUFON. What does that say? Doghouse. <clears throat> <laughs> Anytime I hear MUFON, they're officially in the doghouse with me. I just wish. Okay. And, and, you know, like, I know, Tim, you and I have talked about this a lot. And Nicole Sackage and I have talked about this a lot. And I've talked to Linda Thompson and many others about this a lot. And Mufon, and I've talked to a couple of really close MUFON friends of mine who I'm going to leave their names out of this for right now. And they are really concerned about the ever-changing face of what MUFON is. Okay, let's remember that when MUFON started, they were a public watchdog to be the eyes and ears of what the government was hiding on this subject. And now it's like, well, if you can't beat them, join them. I really hope that there is not a mass exodus from MUFON because of this. I'm curious to see. I find it interesting that MUFON has not released a press release on this. That is something that they should have done. Addition to the board of directors, absolutely. You know, and from people who I've talked to who have been high up in MUFON, one of the things that I have I have readily stated to them is you don't need to team up with the government. What you need is something that you haven't had over your decades, and that is somebody who actually knows how the media works. Somebody who could give you proper media advice, write a proper press release to get your name in there, to get your names involved in the conversation. And we've never seen that a MUFON, ever. And, you know, I'm not upset about it. It's the way they've always done things. But you know what? That antiquated thinking has cost them a lot of press a lot of their reputation. Not dealing with things has cost them that. And that's on the... that. And once again, I, I want to stress for our audience who is listening here. There is a massive, massive difference between MUFON and its executive directors and board of directors and the people 
who are absolutely wonderful, who do the grunt work, the state directors, the boots on the ground people. They are doing great work, fantastic work in trying to shed light on this subject. Okay, they are working their tails off. And their board of directors seems to just wash it all the way. Like a five-finger death punch song. I don't get it. I don't understand that split. Because if I was the head of MUFON, oh, the last five, six years would be completely different. Completely different. I would be making sure that me as executive director, I would know the exact names of every state director I have. And once a week or once every two weeks, I'd be having a 30-minute conversation with them. Same as my board. Same as everything. You need to. But there is such a, excuse me, a, what's the word I'm looking for? A disassociation from the board to its actual members who are doing that work. If I was a if I was an investigator right now for MUFON, I don't know if I could continue. But that's me. You know, no shame on MUFON because there's going to be people out there who agree with what they're doing. Right? Like me. Do you agree with what they're doing? Well, Save in that. a large part, save, I do. Save that. Save that. All right. We'll make some great radio here in about 15 <laughs> seconds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you and I have always seen a little bit different three, aspects of MUFON. Three seconds. Oh, hold hold on, buddy. Cheers. Headed for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Want to remind you that if you miss most of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read the news wire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Let's continue on with the UFO report. Tim Senor is here. We're talking about the UFO group MUFON, which has been around for almost 55 years, adding a Washington, D.C. lobbyist to their board of directors. Now, Tim, you kind of like this move. You th- Tell me why you like it. Well, I mean, I would need to know the exact uh, position, what it's going to entail with this new board director member, Jessica Toko. But what it seems like we're looking at is the potential liaison or partnership coming, um, you know, with uh, helping to put some of the cases that MUFON have in front of people in the DOD, people in the Pentagon, people that are working in our government that are interested in it. 
Um, it doesn't feel like this is information we are trying to keep out of anyone's hands. If anything, MUFON's information has been so carefully and meticulously put together by the amazing people that are doing the boots on the ground work that you're talking about. And then covered by the directors and refined by the directors hand talked to by each person like each i spoke to my director before they made sure that my case was a real case um they do their work and then let's say the government's like hey we're looking for somebody to collaborate with because we're trying to get some truth on this subject and we've got enigma here and we've got mufon here well i'm going to pick mufon because it's got a history it, it is transparent with the people that are involved, at least, on the level that I'm interested in, okay? Because you're interested on a level of direct of the directors, and that's a different story, and we can get into that. But my personal experience with them is so phenomenal that I would support the entire organization based on the good that I know they're doing on the boots-on-the-ground level still. And until they falter on that, well, they're not going to change my mind. I'm still seeing the good of that company. Now, if they decide that they want to share that in some way to help in any way, shape, or form uh, govern this topic, well, then I support that too because um, they hold what I believe are highly refined true stories or at least from people that they have made sure believe their stories. And a lot of them come with data. So I 100% support something that gets that truth to the people that need to know, whether it's government um, or, you know, into legislation or wherever it, it needs to go at this point, as long as it doesn't get, you know, blended into, you know, used against us. But uh, like what I'm saying is that I support that. Yes. Okay. And, and, and I think you make a brilliant argument. I really do. And I can see where getting civilians into the conversation and not just military members is a good thing because too many times we see politicians, especially in the U.S., get a little bit too absorbed by what the military and military members say. Okay, and I, I agree with you on that. I think that's a, a fantastic point. My concern is this. Do the civilian reports, okay, do they get into military hands? Or are they kept segregated from military reports? Also, my other concern with it would be this. Does the public who is currently given reports to MUFON without, because let's face it, 95% of people do not read the fine print. Okay? Do they know that they have given their reports to MUFON without knowing that that report is going to get into the government hands? Because there are a lot of people who have experienced this phenomena who do not trust the government, no matter what level it is, municipal, civic, city, provincial or state, pardon me, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not an expert on American politics, okay? But do they know that? And you know what? The excuse that MUFON can use is, well, it was right there in the fine print. Nobody reads the right. fine print. 
95% of people who buy a car do not read their contract. Okay? They don't read the contract. 5% of people do. So that is my concern with this. What safety measures is MUFON taking to protect the people in their reports? Because if I'm an investigator and I'm now having to explain to Tim Senor, by the way, there is a good chance this report will be reviewed by Arrow or whatever team in Washington, D.C., or government spooks in Washington, D.C., I personally may have an issue with that. You may not, but there are going to be others who have, Tim. Right, right. And you're talking about two totally different people, the people that do report and the people that don't. The people that do report kind of assume it's public. If there's anyone interested, government or other, have at it. Because honestly, I can't believe what I saw. They're still blown away. And like, the public isn't usually as savvy as you and I. And so they're looking for somewhere to put this bizarre experience out in the public. And they're looking for something legit. And so they do a search. They find Norfolk, Norfolk, and um, they find MUFON, and they report to both. And that's the right thing to do, right? Because if you want to report, those are the two most credible places to do so. And by doing that, you realize anytime there's an acronym in the name, it's probably going to get you know, reported to the government if they're interested, right? And we know that there are rating systems that take place. And within those rating systems, um, something's going to get viewed or not viewed. And probably the people that make those reports, they report it because they want the world to know. And they're like, this was massive. And if it's a big enough case and it's real and it's been, you know, vetted, then our government should probably know about it. And so we need to release some of this stuff and stop worrying so much about who is Big Brother and why does he care. Well, he's looking for answers. Why are we so hung up on giving them to him? That's my position. If I have a case and I want to report it, who cares who sees it? I want the world to see it, and that includes the government. I don't even care if it's on the other side of the planet and their government sees it. I want the world to know because it's a world topic. That's me. And I'm somebody that has reported the things that I've seen. But that's not everyone's position. I do feel potentially it's the public's position because that was kind of my family's position. And they're all different people. That was nine people that all decided to do that. So, you know, we all are from a different place in our in our worlds. And they're all like, let's just all file this oh, one report. Uh, okay. And, and I agree with you. I think the majority of the population is exactly like you and your family. But you have also, since then, done a lot of growth in this field and in learning about the the cover-up that is going on regarding this subject and the fact that the government is not being truthful when it comes to what they know about this subject. We're watching, I mean, you and I have had many a private talk with Random Guy lately, and we are watching a propaganda movement being played hard and strong right now over three drones, not balloons, like we're being told, drones. 
And that's what, what scares me for the public. Because, you know, I don't consider myself an insider, but I consider myself someone who knows more than probably a lot of the population regarding this. Now, I'm not a voice. I'm just giving my opinion. I'm not a voice of authority. But my question is, why feel comfortable with that, knowing what you know, that the government is covering it up, that it's not disclosure, it's a confirmation, and Tim, recently you've even said to me that you're you're struggling with the whole nuts and bolts aspect of it because of things that are starting to happen that are opening right. your eyes. Right. So, right. So, I mean, I'm not denying what you said. I'm not trying to shove everything back in your face because, like I said, I believe 90%, 95% of the people out there are going to be just like your family. Hey, Let's Google, who do I report this to? Mufon's name comes up, bang, let's put it in there. I get that. I appreciate that. The reports are important. But when a game is being played, does that not make you feel a little bit more conscious about who's reading your report? Again, you know, these things are more of a signal to me as to what the game really is and how to play it you know what that tells me is uh, this gets me a little nervous because it, it tells me that they don't know anything is what it tells me the fact that they're coming to me and my group looking for my data the fact that they're looking to move on for answers um the the fact that they're doing what they can to cover up things and uh call it one thing and then do these bizarre next three shoot downs and still calling them, then all tells me that they don't know a thing about the, what the real phenomenon is, you know, or UFOs. Let's just call it that. They don't know a thing about UFOs. They're still very much in the dark. And the, the thing, when you bring up consciousness and abduction, that's just like, well, I hear you. that's even bigger. For Brother, them. I hear you. So, I feel them reaching out to MUFON shows me that they really are kind of trying to figure this shit out. You know? I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Thank you. They don't know. No, but... I'm sorry for swearing. Mark that. I had to mark it. Thank you. I'm sorry. That's the first time I've ever sworn on your show. So there you go. Don't worry. It'll be edited out for our radio stations. Excellent. But the, the key is the key is this. We know that all you have to do, I mean, anybody from Arrow can get, and any government agent, all they have to do is sign up to be a MUFON member, and bang, they get access to it. We know that's happening. Okay? I just, I guess in my personal belief, I would have loved to have seen MUFON just take an entirely different direction. I mean, look, you know, the last month or two, we'd really been talking about some sort of watchdog out there to really, you know, hammer home for the people what's happening to them. And I, and you know, no offense, but in typical MUFON fashion, I think they dropped the ball on that. I really do. You know, so it's just tough for me when I see good people who've had experiences 
take myself out of the equation, but good people who have had extraordinary experiences that they've never asked for in their life, and they're trusting these people to do investigations on them. And then knowing that those reports are going to fall into the hands of government officials, right? I mean, you you can say that in a nefarious way, or you can say that in a positive way. You can say that in lots of ways. But but my feeling is, yeah, yeah but into we're not, the officials, I think that's going to be okay. I'm not trying to sell you. Okay. I'm not trying to sell you a 1976 El Camino here, man. Oh, look, it's, it comes with a canopy, too, and it's automatic, and it still takes leaded gas, but that's okay. We're going to change it over to regular, unleaded. Don't worry about it. We, we're taking care of it. I mean, you're right. The argument could go many, many different directions. It, it really can. But let's move on. we got six minutes left. Talk to me about Space Force here. I'd love to because Space Force and Space Command passed the buck on UFOs as the U.S. air space security questions swirl, right? And so the Pentagon's U.S. Space Force and U.S. Space Command have so far been absent from discussions on handful of UFOs over North America that have been shot down by the military in the recent days. So these flying objects were shot down last weekend, including one over northern Alaska on Friday, one over Canada's Yukon Territory on Saturday, and one over Lake Huron on Sunday. A, a week prior, a Chinese spy balloon was shot down over the Atlantic Ocean off the coast of South Carolina. The North American Aerospace Defense Command, or NORAD, and the United States Northern Command, NORTHCOM, have been taking the lead on the information related to the UFOs, but details on how involved the space-focused military agencies have been on identifying the objects and securing U.S. airspace is not clear. And so, the Space Command, which is uh, one of the 11 of the military's combatant commands, is in charge of command and control of the troops in space region. However, a spokesperson for the command said it is not taking a lead role on the UFOs as the objects operated outside the command's uh, their area of responsibility. And so the U.S. command operates the most exquisite and extensive sensor network in the world, the agency told Fox News Digital in a statement on Tuesday. While nothing that NORAD, NORTHCOM, and the Pentagon are the focal point of the efforts to identify the UFOs. So while the UFOs are past U.S. Spacecom's area of responsibility, we continue to monitor these events and provide supporting data to Northern Command. So when asked to elaborate on what supporting data is, um, they just declined to reply. And so the command plans, executes, and integrates military space power into multi-domain global operations in order to deter aggression, defend national interests, and when necessary, defeat threats. And so that's the position that they took. It's not in their purview. And so they just conveniently had nothing to say. We do support data, but we have nothing to say on the specifics. So Space Force and Space Command passing the buck, Dave. Are they really passing the buck? 
or are they worried about more other things? Okay, there's a lot of tension up there. And let's face it, their satellites have to be prepared for not aliens right now, but any other sort of defense mechanisms in case someone over there goes stupid and presses the red button. I, and and that's what I believe. I'm willing to give Space Force and Space Command a real benefit of the doubt right now because this is a tense time, a very tense time around the world. And now that we know that these Chinese drones are coming on in, and we don't know how many more there are, the military is not going to let us know. Who that's knows? Right. Who knows what's going on? So the fact that they're passing the buck to uh, UFOs, to Arrow, or it sounds like now they're going to make a new team because Arrow didn't have the power that it should have, according to lawmakers, because, you know, this will be the 58th team in you know the last 14 weeks. And I'm not even close to exaggerating on that, maybe a little. But, you know, Space Force has a lot to worry about right now, and I'm okay with that. If it means the safety of us here in North America and they've got bigger jobs to worry about than UFOs. What else does that tell you, Tim? Guess what isn't a threat? That's right. Any of this. Um, But, you know, Senator Kennedy says that it's time for Biden to speak out about the unknown flag objects. And he's saying that the cow is out of the barn. And I love that quote. And in that briefing, lawmakers are left with many questions surrounding the downing of these Chinese spy balloons and the additional unidentified flying objects. But I love how that he sewed up the end of this meeting with, you better lock your doors tonight. And there's a lot of implications with that. And I'm wondering what Senator Kennedy has in the back of his mind. Oh, my goodness. I don't really know. I really don't know, and I don't want to really speculate on that because I think he's maybe hinting at UFOs and aliens, but I think he's hinting at something a lot more nefarious that is way east of us or closer west. It's just a scary time, my friend. It is Is a scary, scary time, and in a way... All I'm saying is this, people, do your own homework. Don't fall for the propaganda that's going on. Remember, here's another one that I just thought of, and I just mentioned it to you a minute ago. If UFOs were a threat, Space Force would be all over it. Great point. Great point. Words to sleep by. All right. Tim, I'm going to get you to hold on right there because we do have to say goodnight. A very, very awesome UFO report tonight, my friend. Thank you so much, and we'll see you in a couple nights' time. And we also want to say a big thank you tonight to our good friend Swamp Dweller for allowing us to share his spooky stories on this show to kick off Hour 3 each and every night. And a big thank you to our buddy Merle from the Paranormal Road Trippers and Jacob Rice, Washington uh, state paranormal investigator and documentarian talking about the paranormal all night long. It just seems so refreshing, so refreshing to take that UFO break to talk paranormal the last couple of nights. And I'm so thankful for it. I really, really am. Yeah. 
All right, we got a Sharon Bumblefoot Thaw rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio, rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAB, Facebook, Spreaker, LinkedIn, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Remember, this show is copyrighted by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us. Because together, my friends, we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Right beside Random Guy. He's starting to like the Wu. Good night. <laughs>